Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty. The Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, here we go. The, uh, the the apricot farmer is in, getting ready to do the Sacred Fire of Liberty edition of the Robert Scott Bell Show with you-know-who, Jonathan Emord. And uh, I'm going to bring him right in because why would we wait? Jonathan, what's happening, my brother? Who put the ape in apricot, Robert? Yeah, I, I'm thinking that's a good question here. But look, I'm just going to show you what's going to be coming to you, too. Oh, my goodness. I can't wait. These are just nectar of the gods kind of delicious and um to say salvage them because there's so many coming down this year it's a bumper crop i just have to cut them and freeze them and put them in the freeze dryer faster than they fall down which is hard and uh here i am i wouldn't even have time to uh set up my actual studio to do the show today with you first hour anyway so uh you're looking good not not in your farming clothes today no no sadly not so I uh, appreciate everything that's going on uh, with you and the, the campaign and all of the support we're getting. And I'm just thrilled. But what I'm not thrilled about is the uh, the weaponization of the Department of Justice going after Trump. And again, I like to set this aside, whether you love, hate or are neutral on Trump. This is not a good look or a good constitutional reality for this country to be basically, basically be persecuting and prosecuting someone you don't want to run for the presidency. Uh, and is there something more that I'm missing here with this, with what's going on with Trump right now in the indictments? No, this is proof positive of the weaponization of the Department of Justice against all opponents of the Biden administration. Uh, Donald Trump is the most obvious major opponent, and they're trying to take him down. And they are doing so in case after case without any foundation sufficient to bring the action. No reasonable prosecutor would bring the action. Uh, in this instant case, the present case, uh, you've got a situation where they don't even meet the elements of the conspiracy charges and the obstruction charges. And it is very much in line with Jack Smith. Uh, Jack Smith brought the case against former Governor Bob McDonnell in Virginia. And there he so expanded the definition of uh, official action Mm -hmm. that it embraced actions that under no legal precedent were ever deemed official. And he went after him vigorously. He got a conviction against McDonald and his wife. And then uh, he appealed to the, uh, they appealed to the Supreme Court ultimately. And in an 8-0 decision, they reversed, they reversed Smith. They reversed uh, the decision of the lower court. This is his pattern. He is criminalizing by his prosecution, he's trying to criminalize uh, conduct that the Congress has not made criminal. <laughs> so he's pursuing criminal statutes mm -hmm. against Trump that don't exist without the elements. Yeah. Uh, well, here, I mean, is it about, hey, he didn't believe that the election was accurate? You know, the count was that. I mean, it was this is this the, the, the level to which you can just say, hey, I believe that uh, it wasn't an accurate count and now you're indicted. Well, there it's the whole thing is premised upon a false assumption. That is that Donald Trump believed that the election was fair. That Donald Trump believed that the election was fair 
and therefore perpetrated a fraud, tried to defraud the United States and the American people and tried to obstruct. That's the first part. Mm -hmm. And that's the conspiracy part. And then that he also tried to obstruct the count and the uh, certification of the election by the Congress. The problem with both of these is that they don't have the evidence necessary for the charges. In addition, what he said is protected by two things, the attorney-client privilege, and they're taking information that is privileged. Uh, You might also add the executive privilege because it concerns the private deliberations of the president with his counselors. Mm-hmm. That's all non-public. That's not evidence of end. There's no causal link between that and actions taken at the Capitol. And then the second thing that he's doing is he is arguing that Trump's statements uh, obstructed the official count in two respects, that Trump's statements somehow led to a movement to obstruct the official count and that Trump's statements led uh, were endeavoring to cause Pence to uh, not certify. Mm-hmm. The problem with that is that uh, the president of the United States can object to election results. There's nothing illegal about that. He can certainly ask his vice president to take a novel approach and not certify. Had Pence done that, it wouldn't have been illegal. It would have been the subject of a constitutional challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would have happened is that the if Pence took the position the president wanted him to, the House would have simply overruled Pence by a majority vote. Um, the fact of the matter is that there's no illegality in any of this. So it is a case, as I said, you know, of Jack Smith mm-hmm. on behalf of Merrick Garland in a biased, weaponized way trying to attack an opponent of the Democrat Party and of Biden. That's what this is. Now, to be, uh, let's say, constitutionally correct here, we would oppose this if there were a Democrat candidate was being accused of the same thing in the same circumstances, because it's just it's just plain wrong what's happening here. And the two-tiered system of justice is just so transparently present in this instance because, look, Garland and, and Jack uh, Smith are going after Trump with no evidence sufficient to meet the charges, while evidence is abounding against Biden and the corrupt Biden family, Inc., and all of their bribery and influence peddling and profiteering of foreign enemies of the United States at the expense of the United States, even to the extent in the case of the firing of Shokin, that is the prosecutor that was appointed to investigate Burisma, which Hunter Biden was on the board of Burisma, we discover in detail from the former CEO of Burisma that they wanted Biden and they wanted Hunter and Joe to work a method by which Shokin could be terminated or otherwise disabled from prosecuting so they wouldn't discover all the corruption in Burisma. So in order to do that, that uh, uh, Zelensky paid some $5 million to Hunter and $5 million to Joe, which was apparently paid through several different entities in a money laundering scheme. So you couldn't track it back to the 
mm -hmm. Biden's. And of course, now it's known through that testimony. And that testimony came from a highly credible witness that had been paid several hundred thousand dollars by the FBI for intelligence previously. And he spilled the beans in that testimony. Comey was going to keep, actually, Comey, mm -hmm. uh, the, the, Ray was going to keep that from uh, the Congress and only turned it over when Comer's committee threatened contempt of Congress against Ray. He then provided the affidavit first under seal, so you couldn't, no one could see it except for members of Congress on the committee. And then finally, because of uh, Chuck Grassley's action, Senator Grassley made it public. So we now know the full, that's, that's really just incredible evidence of corruption. And this will, this could well lead to Biden's impeachment. Uh, and um, who knows what happens from there, Robert? Well, when, when do we have uh, integrity in this system? I mean, maybe it's asking too much, Jonathan, of people that have just sought power for power's sake and Look, I, I know that, you know, a man of integrity that you are, this is not about partisanship. This is about, dude, if it was a Republican, a Democrat, Libertarian, it doesn't matter. It's like there's an element of ignoring what the Constitution provides for, allows for, all of that, and the corruption that uh, the Biden regime, if you will, at this point, is engaged in. justice under law. Yeah. We, want, we want what the Constitution requires. We want a government that operates like a great power that is a defender of individual liberty and that is bound by the constitution, not like a banana republic mm -hmm. in which uh, whoever is in office gets to determine who gets to have their, their ox gourd and who, uh, who will be suffering the full brunt of the law. This is not, uh, you know, we're, 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 we're devolving under Biden into a petty dictatorship. And people like Merrick Garland are just hacks for this far left agenda. And they've made parents to be the subject of their wrath in Virginia. They have made uh, Trump to be a constant whipping boy that they're endeavoring in every instance to go after him. And I guess they assume that uh, this is gonna result in Trump losing popularity or eventually being incarcerated. It's having the opposite effect, though. I, I, you yeah, see that every time they attack him, people get more outraged and go, well, there's a reason they don't like him. We want him in now. And that's the great thing about this. The great thing about this is that the silent majority is becoming vocal. The great thing about this is that people are finally coming to the realization that what you and I have been saying for years about the abuses of the Biden administration are true and that the Biden administration is the most corrupt administration in American history. And that our whole constitution, our whole government of a government of by and for the people is on the line here. Because if we reelect Biden, heaven forbid, we're looking at a movement that will destroy our country. Two to three years, Robert, two to three years. We don't change the direction of this nation fundamentally. It will be gone within two to three years. Yeah, there's so much that's uh, been happening for a long time. You've you've written about the history of how we got here. Uh, I guess the inevitable conclusion is if people can vote, you know, the spoils to themselves or within the, the confines of government, find that they can uh, enrich themselves. 
Um, this is not a new concept in government. It's why the founding fathers wrote, you know, well, the deck went for the Declaration initially and the Constitution, ultimately after the Articles of Confederation, to recognize that, you know, government uh, by definition becomes uh, tyrannical if you don't constrain it, restrain it. And, and we also realize that the Constitution itself is not enough, even as, as awesome and amazing a document that it is, unless the people are willing to stand up and defend it. And this is where we have now, I guess, if you call it a battle lines drawn domestically, uh, and, and I include the, you know, the Democrats in here as well. If you want to survive this thing, you better get on the right side. And I don't mean you have to become a Republican per se, but you have to speak out against this. Much like we've talked about um, the people who recognize that uh, the COVID injection, just to tie it into our health discussion, uh, was clearly an experiment and was resulting in tremendous damage and injury and even death and refused to speak out because they were afraid to lose something. You know, it's like, what is worse than losing, I, I guess, your, your life or the life of your patients? Like, at what point do you repent and say, look, I may have this political ideology and bent that's different than the Republicans, but I can't stomach what Biden and this administration is doing and speak out. Uh, I don't know what it will take for that to happen. And I pray that it happens before it's too late. Well, I think it's happening. I mean, I, at least I'm seeing that in Virginia, all across Virginia. I'm interacting with people and they're telling me that they've, they're fed up. Uh, they, they really do understand. They get it. Whenever I tell people that our nation, our constitution is hanging by a thread and that within the next two to three years, if we don't change the direction of this country, we are going to be a people that is a people who have lost their freedom. And once it's lost, it's extremely hard to get back. And I tell them this, and there's no one in the audience thus far who's ever said, oh, that's an exaggeration. Oh, that's not really happening. No, the American people get it, Robert. They're getting it. And you know what's interesting? There is a big movement afoot, particularly in African-American communities and uh, Asian communities and even uh, among Muslim Americans, there is a movement afoot. Mm -hmm. They are jumping off the Democrat ship. They are recognizing that the Democrat Party pushing all this woke nonsense in the schools, transitioning of kids, uh, the CRT indoctrination, uh, entry of biological males in the girls' bathrooms and locker rooms and sports teams. They've had it. Uh, this is... This offends their religions. This offends their sense of morality and decency. And this offends their understanding of what it was to be an American. It goes right to the heart of it. And they are not willing to stand by and let that happen. And so what's, what we're seeing is a lot of these people who are, who are just like us in these beliefs, they understand fundamentally that you know, you have to protect women's rights. You have to protect uh, our children. You have to ensure that this country does not become like a third world dictatorship and run roughshod over people's rights. They're getting it and they're coming to us. They're turning to us. And I think you're going to see in 2024 a landslide rejection of Joe Biden, a landslide. People are going to to express their their utter horror and disgust at what he has done to America in the polls mm -hmm. by huge margins. And I think we're going to see a sweep. I think we're going to see the United States Senate become a Republican Senate, 
instead of a Democrat Senate. With you in it. With me in it. Mm-hmm. And I think what we're also going to see, Robert, is a, a real movement to bring us back to the Constitution's limits on government power for the first time. I think we're going to see the most dramatic changes in favor of freedom in a long, long time, Robert. And yeah. this this is going to be our salvation. If that doesn't happen, if I'm wrong, then we are totally in a in a real horrible downward spiral, and we're going to lose our freedom. Well, so we to your have- point, you you lose it. It's a hell of a lot harder getting it back than you know defending it before it's lost. Uh, and I'm encouraged by what I'm hearing from you because I know you're on the ground talking with people in Virginia, the Commonwealth there where you are and, uh, you know, running for the U.S. Senate. And yeah, I know that you're meeting with people from all backgrounds, races, religions, political ideologies as well. And to hear that they're coming this way, that they're recognizing that uh, even if they've been traditionally voting for the Democrats to say this at this point, this has just gone beyond the pale. Well, everybody, everybody wants to protect children who has any element of decency. They want to end trafficking. You know, a lot of these people have seen Sound of Freedom and they appreciate well that this is a huge threat. Mm -hmm. And uh, our kids have got to be protected and they want our children protected. They want women to be protected against the abuses that logically inevitably come from opening up girls' and women's bathrooms to biological males who declare themselves to be female. I mean, are you out of your minds? You know how many perverts out there are suddenly going to announce they're female? I mean, this is, I'm talking about serious increase in uh, sexual assaults and rape all over the United States because of this idiocy. And people are sick of it. They're tired of this constant woke drumbeat. Every time you turn around, every day you wake up, there's some other absurd woke movement afoot mm-hmm. and you know the reaction to the bud light situation i mean that was powerful bud light is going to basically be bankrupt here in a minute yeah that brand is not recovering they had hoped that they could do some more commercials that talk to the bros right and it's not working the people are just like this is just disgusting i'm not even interested now for me uh someone who i don't drink but I, I do appreciate the taste of beer from earlier. And so I have the non-alcoholic beers occasionally, but man, I, the days that I drank beer, Jonathan, honestly, Bud Light was something I would not choose. I don't care if it was woke or not. It was horrible, but maybe now finally people are seeing that truth on many levels. <laughs> well, I don't drink either. And I don't know what Bud Light tastes like. Oh, and it's I not good. <laughs> you, I would not want to know. Yeah. It's a swill, as they say. Um, uh, folks, we uh, have Jonathan Emord on the Sacred Fire of Liberty Hour each time at this each day, each week at this time. And uh, as, as you know, he's in addition to helping people defend their liberty, their freedom uh, in, you know, the economic freedom and other constitutionally uh, protected freedoms uh, via the court system. Uh, for those of you who don't know Jonathan, he's known in some circles as the FDA dragon slayer because he's beaten the FDA back in court world record eight times and taken on other aspects of the oligarchy, which we now know are completely captured agencies, often uh, invested in Marxism and collectivism rather than uh, individual liberty and the defense of that. And Jonathan, as I do the short version of why you're running, you, you realize that for your kids' sake, especially, uh, even winning in court was not enough as these agencies continued to run roughshod over the freedom of the, the American people. And um, 
you know, you couldn't sit by and stand by in this lifetime to say, I didn't give it my all, try everything. And that's why, you know, I believe you're going to be there. And I'm grateful for all the support from this audience for you. And if you're in Virginia, even more so, but wherever you are in the United States, you can support Jonathan. Emord4VA.com is the website. I see you have an upcoming event August 9th, Madison at the Mill. I don't know where that is. A Save America meet and greet that you got going on. What's what's going on there? Well, a lot of people in that area asked us to come out and uh, we, we've done that. There's a sponsor of this event and it's a meet and greet for people in the Orange, Virginia area mm-hmm. to uh, get to know me, come out, see me, and uh, we're looking forward to it. We've had a number of these across Virginia. I've got to tell you, the, the amount of support that we have is phenomenal. I think we're very clearly the front, front runner in this race. And um, that straw poll in Loudoun County in June certainly uh, opened a lot of people's eyes to just how powerful our grassroots support is. Uh, There are people in every area of Virginia uh, who are now campaigning for us. Uh, And we continuously see our signs popping up all over the place. And a lot of people, I just, just uh, yesterday, I guess it was, we had the the person uh, in, uh, what where is it near lynchburg i can't remember the exact town mm-hmm. uh, they asked for 500 um brochures trifolds to be distributed and they're going out with a group of 15 to 20 people uh door to door um we sort of have a an ongoing challenge uh sherry fox in northern virginia we call her our field commander mm-hmm. she's a brilliant organizer and she has herself with her group uh, all volunteers um, already gone uh, uh, have gone door knocking to 1,050 homes in Northern Virginia, distributing our literature and talking to people about our campaign. Um, it's amazing to see this, Robert. It's uh, for me, it is just astounding, and I'm so grateful. But it does tell me one thing: that when a candidate has the background and also the interest and also specific solutions to the problems that confront people, Mm -hmm. um, they're really hungry for that. And they are supporting us in such large numbers that it gives me great confidence that this is going to go all the way, all our way. Mm -hmm. And boy, you know, it's interesting. We we do not want to disappoint all these people who are asking us for materials and yard signs and so forth. So we're in the business. We become a we become a factory, Robert. Mm-hmm. We are we are producing all of this stuff yeah. and having to order more and more and more of it. So we're keeping up with the demand. But my goodness, it's expensive. But it's yeah. also it's also so wonderful to uh, to see it happen. Well, and you can donate time if you're there to help out. It's not just all, only about donating money, but if you can do that, we've got emord4va.com, of course, linked up. There's also a Williamsburg meet and greet August the 23rd. That's another Wednesday event. It sells by Victor, apparently, and Williamsburg, of course, very historic in the history of this this country and, and many of the things that occurred there uh, that you're uh, resonating there. I, I guess I'm not surprised, but I'm very happy that they've invited you back to do some more meet and greet as well there. Very strong support from all the way in the, the southernmost part of the state, all the way up through Fredericksburg. Uh, overwhelming support uh, we're seeing. And then when it comes to Northern Virginia, my goodness, you know, all of these different groups. I think we sent you some pictures, Robert. Yes. We had uh, we had this meeting uh, here 
at my house with some new members and 25 members came in, new members of our team Emord. And uh, one of them, by the way, Robert, uh, religiously watches the Robert Scott Bell show and, and is probably watching the show right now. Oh man. Awesome. Did you see her picture? Well, I did see a bunch of pictures. In fact, uh, at your home, I love the, um, uh, the pictures that you've got farmers for Emord, women for Emord. I mean, just like amazing array of people, Latinos for Emord. I mean, everything covered. Uh, and uh, I don't know if we have her name to give her a shout out. I'd love well, to say. I don't hello. know if you can see this, Robert, but there she is. Is that? Let me, let me just go back and see that. Ah, yeah, there it is. I see it. Thank you for holding that up, Jonathan. Yeah. Say, so can we she, was, she was here and she's a religious watcher of the Robert Scott Bell show. And here is that here is that picture that you're talking about. Hold on just a second. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this is, you know, look at how many people are here and look at all the signs. I don't know if I'm getting. Oh, yeah, there it is. All the way up the stairs. Like I said, educators for Emord. I mean, it's just amazing array of backgrounds that are coming together to support your candidacy. And they know that, uh, you know, you you will bring to them what uh, you're not giving them free stuff. You're not promising them you know, all the, the you know, the, the welfare and other, you're saying, no, what, you know what, we want to get the government out of the way. We want you to have the freedom to live as you believe. And, uh, you know, that equal uh, justice, equal protection under the law, that kind of concept is something that's so lost on uh, many in, in Congress and Senate right now, and especially Tim Kaine. Good Lord, that guy's a mess, uh, that they're grateful, I think, that you're running to replace him. Yeah, we have to restore the Constitution's limits on government power. And we have to end the administrative state. We have to defang it by the legislation that I, I plan to reintroduce, which is to prevent any proposed regulation from having the force of law unless passed into law by Congress. So it's a simple concept. It's, it's, it just restores what the Constitution requires mm -hmm. and uh, in Article 1, Section 1. And um, yet, you know, it seems obvious to a lot of people when I say that, and they, a lot of people really like the idea. I think it's going to prevail, and I think that's going to be one of the biggest steps toward uh, restoring the exclusive power of Congress to make law and ending this 100-year-plus reign of administrative agencies, unelected, unaccountable to the people, and the courts are running roughshod over the rights of the American people. Now, what, what would you say strategically in terms of, uh, you know, you're having a, a former president, Trump, running for president, and he's being indicted time after time after time. This has never happened in the history of this country. Uh, is there a strategy to beat back these indictments or does he just have to let it ride through? Because these things often take years to run through and he's going to be running all the way through. Uh, I, I just don't even know what to make of how do you how do you navigate this? Well, it's very, very costly. And um, he's going to have an excellent legal team, and they have they have the better argument, frankly, in most of these cases. But that doesn't mean they will have judges that will be sympathetic, and that doesn't mean that they'll have juries that are sympathetic. And they're hoping the Democrats that by having multiple suits against him, that one of these at least they think will stick, and he'll get a conviction out of it. And then they're hoping to see him in jail. Mm -hmm. The reality is he can run for president no matter what. And uh, they've tried to argue under the 14th Amendment that he would be excluded from office, but no one serious in the law finds that to have any applicability here. So he ends up with um, 
really very little chance of being blocked from running and very high probability consistent with the polls so far of seeing himself actually enriched uh, politically and in his uh, campaign coffers mm -hmm. as a result of this persecution. Um, they have succeeded in making Donald Trump, who they had uh, painted as an ogre, into a victim of abuse of power. And they have made themselves into the ogre because they are relentlessly pursuing him without just cause. And the upshot of that is going to be ever greater popularity for Donald Trump. And so he's now equal uh, in popularity by one opinion poll with uh, Joe Biden, 45% of the overall population, voting age population. Uh, it's a tie. Mm -hmm. As they continue to do more of this, more people will be enlightened of the abuse. And I think it's going to shift ever stronger in his favor. So I think the irony of all this is that in their blind, zealous drive to put Donald Trump behind bars, they are themselves creating the noose that will be used to hang them and draw them out of office. Mm -hmm. So um, it's a boomerang effect that I fully expect will happen. Wow. Well, look, we're witnessing, again, things that are unprecedented in history, and we think that uh, we've seen it all. There's always something more to witness. One of the things uh, related to freedom of speech, and we talked extensively about that in last week's episode. I hope everybody would tune in even you know, after the fact as the podcast did. We went into a lot of the, you know, the, the details of the battle that you've done within the court system and understanding the violations of First Amendment freedoms that is granted uh, – not granted rights by the Constitution. I want to always clarify that. People think that they get rights from the Constitution. The rights of free speech pre-exist the establishment of this government or any government technically when you understand your rights come from God or Creator. Uh, but so much of what we've seen with uh, overt collusion in the Biden administration against freedom of speech, colluding with corporations that, if independent from government, decided on their platform, we don't allow this on our platform. That's one thing. But what we're seeing is a very direct uh, violation by government influence. And that's, you know, there are, there are lawsuits happening. Uh, and in fact, uh, it's interesting, Elon Musk from now X, it's Twitter, but basically is suing the Center for Countering Digital Hate, which is, a, I call it an astroturf organization, much like Cheryl Atkinson describes these things out of England, that has attacked many of our friends, including Ty and Charlene Bollinger, including Bobby Kennedy, who's uh, you know, also uh, engaged in suing these uh, groups that have uh, violated their freedom of speech. We have been banned. You and I have been banned at various times for communicating just honestly, very thought provoking and, and intellectually engaging concerns about things that were happening in COVID. Uh, and now um, Musk is suing this organization and, I don't know, finding out what dark money is this Soros money also promoting an agenda where you have the pharmaceutical industry just as woke as the Biden administration against our freedom of speech and everything that comes with it. Yeah, um, it is a horrible tale. One would never have expected this to happen in the 21st century, that we would go back to an era of star chamber courts and uh, um, high commission courts where freedom of speech is obliterated, where you have the government through the Biden administration and proxies and big tech attacking people for their views, 
because they run against the administration's narrative and deplatforming them and uh, ostracizing them and condemning them. This has been a ruthless period of censorship since the start of the COVID epidemic, and it even continues today. We still see this deplatforming. We still see people being censored. We still see those uh, uh, blocks appearing with negative comment from the publish, you know, from the the big tech related to the content of someone, all trying to diminish their influence and to call into question their uh, validity uh, and their truthfulness, sincerity. So this has got to end. Uh, freedom of speech is the absolute savior of our whole republic. We depend upon freedom of speech to discover innovation, to uh, discover innovation, innovative arguments, to discover innovations in actual invention, uh, and to advance uh, as a people. We depend on a wide open, robust environment of debate. And to the extent you eliminate that, you'd retard our progress as a people. You make us less intelligent, you dumb us down, and you make us more vulnerable. And when you only have an official organ publishing information and a state orthodoxy, you end up like the former Soviet Union in the Lysenko era. Mm -hmm. Lysenko was a Soviet scientist who, who Stalin loved, much like Anthony Fauci. And uh, he was given carte blanche and allowed to communicate false information to the public in Russia, Soviet Union, without um, any allowance of dissent. This sounds a lot familiar, doesn't it? it sounds it like does. Anthony Fauci's regime. Did you see that uh, uh, Senator Rand Paul, who I'd love to see you serve alongside, uh, has, I don't know how you describe it, he's given referral. evidence over, what is it What is it he did related to Fauci? It's called a referral. referral. He sent a package of material and uh, charges, recommended charges for the Justice Department to bring against Anthony Fauci. Of course, this Justice Department will do nothing with it. But it's important that it was done because the charges themselves need to be framed and the information needs to go to justice. So he did that and he'll do it again, I'm sure, as soon as there's a change in the attorney general. But he has said that he will be like a dog on a bone when it comes to Anthony Fauci. And he's been one of the stalwarts who's been fighting against this whole lie, set of lies that Anthony Fauci has communicated to the public, not least of which was his ridiculous falsehood that he had no involvement whatsoever with gain of function research when he was the principal pro protagonist in the picture uh, promoting gain of function research, which is to transfer uh, what is a, a inert to humans virus into one that is contagious among humans. And we now have very strong reason to believe that the, that the COVID virus was intentionally made as a effective bioweapon because they had the gain of function is not simply taking an, an inert virus and making it communicable to humans. It's taking an inert virus and making it lethal and then making it communicable to humans. And what we have with the COVID virus is proof uh, in, in spades of this because we lost in the United States well over 1 million people uh, from this contagion. And um, look, we, we, that 1 million is in no small measure uh, 
yeah. a result of the government's policy of shutting everything down, of, uh, of you know, insisting on vaccination over early treatment, and of censoring doctors who refuse to follow the party line on how to care for patients. If doctors were allowed to care for the specific needs of patients manifesting themselves in all these different symptoms, which some people have some, others don't with this COVID virus, if they had focused on providing this to, you know, ta tailoring their care to early treatment specifically designed for the manifestations that they saw, we would have had far fewer deaths. Oh, so, certainly. And I look at what Fauci has done. I don't know if it's similar to the concept of white collar criminality, that, you know, where it engages in millions and billions of dollars and people are lost, their lives are lost. You know, we've talked extensively about the uh, the vaccine industrial complex and what it was allowed to do since 1986 with the uh, the liability shield, if you will, under the National Vaccine Injury Compensation Program. I mean, it's the nature of humans. If they're convinced that they have no liability, they will engage in criminal and evil activity. And Fauci has gotten away with this behavior for decades. If you've read uh, the real uh, Anthony Fauci by Bobby Kennedy, again, many of my friends were involved in, in that research long before that book was put out. We we saw his behavior within the, the confines of the NIAID, which became his fiefdom. And he directed uh, grants only to areas that would profit him or those who would handle or control him. And he became the highest paid uh, federal employee, if you can say that, higher than the president in terms of money coming in and on and on about the uh, conflicts of interest in terms of uh, whether they be royalties or otherwise. And you also have, uh, I think it was Senator Rand Paul that put together, um, uh, you know, a, a sunshine kind of scenario. It's like, let's right. reveal who's getting what and guess who stood against it? Senator Bernie Sanders, the, the socialist. Right which is not for the people. Yeah, Rand Paul introduced that bill. It was fantastic. And Bernie Sanders stood squarely against it and, and killed it in the Senate. Senate's dominated by Democrats. Uh, and um, that shows you that, that the socialist, Bernie Sanders, stood up not, to defend his cronies. Not for the people. The that, and that, the Biden administration. That's the lie of socialism. It's like, oh, we want to help right. the little people. Oh, no. That's not true at all. Bernie Sanders has just proved I mean, it. All this bill would do is expose the sources of funding that these scientists have, including Fauci, where they profited off of patents mm -hmm. that were used in association with the making of the vaccine and with the development of the virus. And my goodness, boy, they, they snapped back in, in unison. All the Democrats said, oh, no, we're not going to reveal the truth. We're not going to allow the American people to understand what's really going on here. So we have a, a vicious uh, censorship that is working its way out of the Biden administration into the public and denying us critical information. I mean, wouldn't you like to know and wouldn't that affect your judgment mm -hmm. if you understood how much money Fauci received from what sources and how that is related to COVID-19 and to the vaccine. Wouldn't you like to know that? That would help us enormously. We would then be able to understand how the money affects the content of the position taken by Fauci at any particular time. I mean, this man is already on record for lying over and over again. He told us initially that there would be no need for a, a, uh, a mask. That actually was true, that masks would be useless. Mm -hmm. And then he shifted his position 
and said, hold on, let me stop that. Yeah. And said that, uh, no, you need a mask. No, you need two masks. No, you need three masks. Utterly no, utter nonsense, misleading the American people. Oh, if you get the vaccine, you won't get COVID. Lie. Oh, if you get the vaccine, you won't carry COVID. Lie. Uh, oh, if you have natural immunity, it's not as good as vaccinated immunity. Lie. Uh, the American people have been misled yeah. from the start of this whole thing by people who had information in their possession that enabled them to understand that the statements they were making at the time they made them were false. Yeah. And then they but, never, most of these statements, they've never retracted. I mean, you won't find Fauci in a single instance saying, oh, I lied to you. Not a single time, no. even though he did it repeatedly. Yeah. Uh, it's extraordinary the crimes that they're getting away. I guess the bigger the crime, the more unbelievable it is that people can perceive that, oh, he couldn't have done that. That's just too big. And uh, in a sense, they use our perception of our world, our, you know, our environment against us. I've said this many times as well, that most of the folks in America are not interested in engaging in harmful or, or, or criminal behavior. And because they're not, those that are engaged in harmful and criminal behavior use that knowledge against them or us because we naively believe if we wouldn't do it, who would do that, right? And so that's part of the, the unfortunate psychological warfare that's played on the people. And uh, as you point out, as you're going around meeting the people of Virginia from all backgrounds, including Democrats, they are now getting to the point where they're seeing through this and saying this is just plain not right. And you talk about it in terms of the children. What is it that gonna, is going to wake us up? If it's not to protect the children, then we're lost as a culture. And then it's like, what are we trying to salvage and save? I'm encouraged that you're saying as you're you know, moving around Virginia and learning about folks that are saying this has just gone too far, that we've got to uh, chart that I say a new course, but it's a course back to integrity and constitutional fealty and uh, recognizing that just because you can enrich yourself uh, through government and, you know, many of these lifelong career politicians makes no sense how they become multimillionaires and own so much, including Bernie Sanders, the socialist. Uh, how has he accumulated so much by being in, in government? You know, is that where you go to get wealthy? Apparently, but. That's not, you know, under a constitution appropriate, but that's where it's devolved to, just as our founders had predicted. Our founding fathers understood uh, that government service was a sacrifice, and it actually was for them. I mean, a lot of them had to leave their farms and had to hire other people to manage their farms when they would go to the federal government to work as a member of Congress or mm -hmm. in the Senate. And they viewed that as an obligation in support of the country but they took a lot of hits because of that. They, it cost them a lot of money in order to do that. Poor George Washington to finance the, the meals that the, he had to have for various events in the White House virtually bankrupted himself. He was in dire financial straits when he left after being president. That was the last thing in the world he really wanted to do was become president. But in point of fact, he understood that was essentially inevitable for him. Uh, he wanted to retire to Mount Vernon, and he was called repeatedly back into duty into the service of his country, and he answered that call. But he didn't get rich by being president of the United States, and they wanted it that way. Uh, they wanted a government, as Thomas Jefferson said. He, he said, look, he was already worried when he was president that there were too many parasites uh, sucking the life's blood off out of the republic when he had just a few servants in the White House. 
uh, he said, look, these, these ministers here, these people who are aiding us, are like parasites. There's too many of them. Well, that was a couple of people. Uh, and now you have whole departments, whole agencies of the government doing this. And, it, and departments that shouldn't even exist, the Department of Education, the Department of Energy, the Department of Commerce, and presidents acting to create agencies without any power to do so, without the authority of Congress. So you had Nixon created the EPA by executive order. Uh, Obama created that consumer uh, bureau uh, out of whole cloth with no action by Congress, again, by executive order. Totally unconstitutional. In fact, that issue's going to be coming up before the Supreme Court. But the point, the point is, we have got to get back to our constitutional warrants, not just because that is the Constitution, but because it is an agreement between those who founded our country and the American people on the powers that would be accepted in the hands of these people who ran the government. Those people who've run the government over time have accumulated far more power than the Constitution allows. What does that mean? That's at your expense. That means your freedom has been diminished by that. That means that the economy has been burdened by that. Mm -hmm. That means your taxes are higher because of that. That means that the future of your children is compromised because of that. So we've got to get back at empowering individuals, giving them their freedom back and their responsibilities back, not dictating to them how to live, but letting them choose their own course, trusting in freedom, that freedom and free enterprise has historically and will always be the greatest source of power for the United States. And realizing that this detour into socialism has already impoverished our nation so that inflation is running rampant, so that people's lives are being uh, put in a position where people have to choose between prescription drugs and food because they can't afford food at the grocery store, where the cost of gasoline is so high, a lot of people can't even afford to drive to work, where the future that they're articulating for us has intermittent power, which will cause you to freeze in the wintertime and boil in the summertime, and will cause a lot of people to lose their lives because yeah. of this. And in addition, a country that cannot defend itself, that doesn't have the economic wherewithal to maintain a defense against the greatest threats to liberty that exist externally. And then a country with no borders, where yeah. you have a situation where anyone who dares, who wants to come into this country can come in, provided that the cartels allow them to, where the cartels determine immigration policy for the United States. So this look, ma, no hands approach of Joe Biden, where he falls off the bike as a metaphor of what he's doing to this country yeah. is, is, has got to come to an end. The, the other thing uh, we, uh, we've seen blind spots in the Republican Party on is, is corporate welfare, corporatism. Ron Paul spoke eloquently to that in his time, that we are not in favor of, of, of welfare to corporations anymore, individuals. We want freedom to help one another through charity and, of course, to have a level playing field in the economic uh, you know, sphere, right, which has been violated so extraordinarily through the regulatory state, the administrative state, which you've taken on for so many decades now. And I think that's another message that is resonating. I hear Bobby Kennedy speaking out against that as well. Uh, you know, even as he's coming from his Kennedy Democrat history, which is a lot different than the modern Democrats, I acknowledge. Uh, but 
that is of concern as well. But, you know, we've got this um, documentary series by our friends Ty and Charlene Bollinger called Remedy. And I'm featured in that. And many of my friends, doctors, people you know and have worked with that have innovated and they are speaking even with great and sound science to respond to the great needs of those who have been injured by the COVID injections, for instance. Um, they are still being shadow banned, eliminated or threatened with uh, suit from the government should they actually acknowledge these substances and of the natural world can do extraordinary things to remediate the damage caused by something that was emergency use authorization into existence by denying what we discussed and what you pointed out about doctors doing early treatment and prevention. And they were, you know, castigated, uh, denigrated, and some prosecuted with threatened with loss of license. Uh, so we're, we're dealing with the corporate takeover, if you will, and Democrats are all in on this, like Bernie Sanders, the socialist, defending and hiding those interests because they're enriching themselves through their so-called service in government, which is not anything but service to themselves in the end and to the destruction and demise of this country. So uh, speak to the corporate welfare issue for those that don't understand um, you know, the, 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 the themes of, oh, Republicans are only for big business and Democrats for the little people. I mean, that's been obliterated. I think we see now there's a lot more to it than that. Yeah, one of the vicious things that has happened over the last hundred years is the association between big business and government. And what has happened is that a lot of the agents of big business, attorneys and individuals who get into government positions of power through Congress and and members of Congress who are enriched by donations from those uh, corporate entities, they have created a wall of protectionism. So they've enacted legislation, they've enacted far more regulation that has been really for the purpose of protecting companies from competition mm -hmm. by creating barriers to market entry and by adding to the cost of being in a market through paying for regulatory compliance and this has caused the big companies which can afford all of this to have big strong protection afforded them by the government's barriers and government's enforcement activities against newcomers coming into the market and a lot of these regulatory restraints are not intuitive and by that i mean they're not logical so you would the last thing you would think of as a person who's going to sell a product like a dietary supplement is that if you told the truth about the product, you could go to jail or you could have your business shut down by the FDA. You'd be bankrupted, yes. And that is definitely the case. You can go into the market, you can say that prune juice treats chronic constipation on your label, and then get an, an enforcement action by you against you by the FDA because you just made an unapproved drug claim. Well, what is this whole notion of unapproved claims? Well, it's just a barrier to market entry put up by the big pharmaceutical companies to block any market entrant from being able to tell the truth about their product if it has a therapeutic effect. It's a prior restraint on speech. The founding fathers prohibited prior restraints. That was the plain and intended meaning of the First Amendment. And yet, here we are with all of this sort of stuff happening. Yeah. The upshot of that is is just terrible. You know, get, get you out. We got about four or five minutes, and, and I know you've got some other media interviews, which I'm excited that you're on TV shows and things that are happening. But we're we're about five minutes away from wrapping up our Sacred Fire of Liberty edition of the Robert Scott Bell Show. And uh, I, I mentioned this, Jonathan, talk about 
restraint. I don't know. I'm not making any medical claims for these things, but these are apricots from my backyard tree, hundreds and hundreds of thousands, in fact. And uh, I'm freeze drying them and sending them as gifts. Could I get in any trouble with the FDA or FTC for doing this? I'm sure you could, Robert, but <laughs> I'm looking forward to receipt of mine and I, I can't wait to try them out. And I'll, I might even eat one on the next episode of the Robert Scott Bell show. Where I will have to get them out. You're going to love them. I mean, my gosh, they're, they're just extraordinary. Oh, and by the way, our friends at Trinity School of Natural Health, we have Jim Evans scheduled for the next hour of the show. And you know, um, Julie Whitman Klein and their family going back to her father, the, the commitment they've made to health freedom and freedom of speech and all of that. Uh, setting the stage to help all healthcare providers, including, yes, doctors and nurses are going through Trinity School to learn the things they didn't learn in medical school to help people in need that, uh, you know, we have a desperate straits in terms of a healthcare crisis, not because we don't have enough doctors, but the doctors are limited in what they're allowed to even do. And of course, you talk about restraint of what entry into the marketplace of naturopaths and homeopaths and we should have a free market for healing and medicine and you'll see cooperation. I've seen evidence of it work extraordinarily well despite the obstacles you know and that's the innovation of the i would say the the american ideal in freedom i think people around the world listening to or watching this show are gravitating toward this show because of our desire to support freedom everywhere but i'm not here to uh, conquer your land and make you do what we want you to do but it's about individual liberty and the defense of individual liberty and again you spoke out again against corporate welfare which is you know something that uh I know that you're in the Senate. You'll be able to, to champion that as well, to recognize that freedom is not just freedom from an individual perspective, but freedom to engage in business practices that are truthful, not misleading, not fraudulent, and that we don't need this big oligarchy to, to, to uh, what preemptively strike against thought crimes, beliefs that somebody might do something with information that is valid and true. That's what we saw in COVID uh, time. They tried to stop us from speaking the truth because, oh, behavior might shift. You're darn right. It might less, fewer people would have gotten the, in, the investigational injection. The idea that government planners in Washington, D.C. can know better than you do what's in your own best interest is a gross fallacy. We've known that from the start of the, these experiments in collectivism. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you know, Adam Smith said it best when he said that uh, an individual when he was talking about um, deriving your bread and your meat in the marketplace, he said, it's not from the benevolence of the butcher and the baker that you receive your meat and bread, but by their pursuit of their own self-interest. And the reality is that the most powerful restraints on bad behavior actually exist in the market. Because if you make something and defraud someone, uh, or you don't make something and defraud someone, then they will have legal recourse against you and you will become a pariah and you will not be able to profit. Mm -hmm. So the whole notion of free enterprise is rather miraculous in that rather than having political corruption decide the outcomes, as is the case in communism and socialism, you have your interests being satisfied by somebody who appreciates to the extent he or she satisfies your interest and your desires, that person will profit. And if they don't, or if they deceive you, or if they commit another act of fraud, you will punish them. And this has been the history. Look, the major companies in the world that have mm -hmm. deceived consumers have suffered 
massive financial losses, not from the actions of government, but from the actions of consumers mm -hmm. responding by cutting off their purchasing. Look at look at Bud Light going woke and you there go broke. Uh, by the way, as we're wrapping up here, if you guys want some of this, there's an opportunity. If you're in the domestic U.S., I can ship this. I don't think I can ship this overseas. But if you call up 866-939-2355 and say, hey, why do you listen to the Robert Scott Bell Show? Why do you watch the Robert Scott Bell Show? Even if you say it's because it's for Jonathan E. Moore, you might win one of these. I'm going to send it to you. God bless you, Jonathan. Sacred Fire of Liberty Edition, always a highlight of, of the week here. Well, great to be on, Robert, as usual, and I'll see you next week, my friend. Right, and you remember the power to heal, even politically, is yours. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. All right, cranking it up. Health, freedom, healing, liberty on the line here. Two hours a day, five days a week with an additional hour on Sundays for our Sunday conversations. Thanks to Jonathan E. Mord for uh, getting on early uh, to, to make that show happen. He's uh, on so many media outlets right now. It's a wonderful thing to see him uh, going and growing in Virginia. And the benefit it will be to all of us to have him in the U.S. Senate. Uh, Super Don, uh, are we getting more calls on the, uh, well, that toll-free number telling them why telling us why they listen to the show watch the show are the apricots a good incentive you think uh we've gotten several so i'm going to be busy tonight downloading all these all, right. <laughs> all these calls and sorting them and that editing the them and and all that stuff yeah. so we'll have um we'll have some fun tomorrow that was the risk of putting that out there and actually offering something nice in return <laughs> I, you know, I'll be honest it. with you. I had my doubts. I was like, we got inner contest for apricots. <laughs> yes. Apricots. What? Yes. But uh, yeah, there's been quite uh, a bit of interest. I spent all morning doing, other than the workout, apricot cutting, yeah. freezing, getting ready to freeze dry some more. So I'll have some packs to give out. We might have more to give away than I thought, uh, but we'll see. I mean, but everybody that comes on the show, now I'm sending some to Jonathan. I'm going to send some, of course, to uh, Jamie Dorley and Christine Glein over at Nutritional Frontiers. It's like, so I'm just like a busy little old bee. You know? <laughs> You're like, like, please take some apricots. I, help, help. I, I feel like a little elf, you know, like Christmas in July kind of thing. But yeah. in August now, I get to uh, give some gifts of uh, abundance, uh, which is fun. So, yeah, call in 866-939-2355. Don't let Super Don sleep tonight. Yeah. Well, oh, actually, we come said on, this man. would go through tomorrow, so people could still make calls tomorrow too. I guess so we might have some some bonus stuff to do. Uh, no, come on, man! What are you doing oh. to me? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're not working hard. At you've all. got all right. I'm, I'm going to be. I'm going to make an executive decision here. Yeah. Uh, you've got until 10 a.m. Pacific time tomorrow morning. Wow, that's generous. I get you till 1 p.m. Eastern time. Yeah. That's pretty nice. So that at right. least give me a couple hours before the show to, to get any stragglers. Uh, okay. It's August 3rd today, so August 4th would be the final day to get those in, it, to be eligible to win some uh, RSB show apricots. Please yep. right. There you go. All right. Thank you, my brother. Uh, we have uh, 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 Jim Evans scheduled uh, this hour from Trinity School of Natural Health. Jim is an amazing guy. Excuse me. They have uh, the biblical coaching programs and more there, but uh, I, I just love talking to him about health as it relates to that, because we're, you know, this is a, a show that's infused with the spirit. I, and at least my intention is, is for that to happen. However, people can bring it. And sometimes people want a, a very overt discussion and or um, immersion 
in biblical health discussion. So we're going to do that today. But before we get there, talk about morality. That is a concept within a kind of a religiosity view of the world. Um, ethics seems to be more um, what we call, well, non-religious, but suffice it to say, when we talk about morality and medicine, I find that they often are not in, uh, they're, they're not compatible, at least how it's currently manifested uh, in modern medicine and allopathic uh, medical monopoly, pharmaceutical, pharmacia, all of that. Uh, it's not very moral as far as the care. Now, when you have a leftist leaning view on that, you're going to say the only way to care for people is to provide a single payer system where everybody is covered. You just show up and you get whatever care you need as if health care is a right. And a right is something that comes from God, your creator, and yet it does not require another person to be conscripted or enslaved to do your bidding. If, if that's the case, then it's not a right. It's a privilege, and you are able to, if you want to engage contractually in a service, and compensate them accordingly. Now, if there were a free market for medicine, you could go down and see a naturopath, a homeopath, an herbalist, a Reiki healer, a medical doctor, a chiropractor, any and all of those things. And it would be just like, you know, we see what? Uh, fast food restaurants on on every corner or multiple on a block, right? It, there's not a fast food medical monopoly or a fast food monopoly. But of course, the the the, <laughs> the overabundance of fast food as we see it today has resulted in more ill health, resulted in what? More benefit to the pharmaceutical church and all of its, you know, uh, deliverers or delivery system because people wrongly perceive their symptoms are the result of a lack of having those drugs. So if I look at, uh, you know, the, this moral dilemma, and again, there are many layers of it, many ways to discuss a moral dilemma, if you will, or moral distress in medicine. This is coming from NPR. So you know it's going to have a left-leaning uh, viewpoint on it. This is uh, someone by Lisa Doggett, Public Health Watch, that wrote this. And she says, doctors have their own diagnosis, moral distress from an inhumane health system. Now, I'm looking at the inhumanity of the health system, and I'm thinking, it takes doctors to run it, and you're in it every day. And granted, I'm compassionate if you're having some distress about what you figured out you're doing and you don't like it. The question is, what is the real solution? Or what is an opportunity that we have to correct what's gone wrong that has created this situation of so-called moral distress for the doctors and the nurses who want to leave their profession? And I support them in their leaving the profession. And you know, some would be aghast from that because, oh my gosh, we need more doctors. No, we don't need more doctors. We need more freedom. And we need more freedom of doctors and non-doctors alike to be able to hang a shingle in America under a free market for medicine or healing or a combination of the two. And you'll find that that moral dilemma associated with unaffordability and bankruptcy will greatly diminish. And then in its place where it still exists, flooding into that marketplace would be charitable contributions, support from religious and non-religious charities. This has been the case for a long time, and over the course of the 20th and now 21st century in America, it's been crowded out by government mandates, government fiat in terms of uh, what you can do in medicine, who can participate in a so-called healing profession, 
how it is compensated and what parties are engaged in directing you or prohibiting you from doing something that would meet the needs of a patient, for instance. Now, in this article, it opens up uh, with a discussion of this young man who was in his 20s, and he came to this doctor who's writing this article, uh, and, and he had severe abdominal pain. It was a small community clinic, very severe pain. Look, I know about severe abdominal pain. I grew up with abdominal pain all the time. Now, I'm not trying to diminish this, little, this young man's situation, but I want to go through this because it's, it's very telling how cognitively dissonant this author Lisa Doggett is in describing this. She says, I didn't know the cause of his pain, but I could think of possibilities, including a ruptured appendix, a perforated ulcer, or pancreatitis. He needed an urgent CT scan and a surgical consult. And the fastest way to get both was to send him to the ER. All right, first and foremost, do you see how doctors are, are uh, trained to look at the worst case scenario? Now, that might not be bad, in, in other words, to consider, okay, these are some possibilities. But they can no longer, uh, let me say no longer, maybe ever in the allopathic community, they're not very adept at, this, let's say, accurately diagnosing without some kind of imaging test or blood test or you name the invasive procedure. There's very little intuition. There's very little God sense in that. It's all about, I need confirmation of what's going on. I don't know what it is. Let's send you to the most expensive place possible to get you a diagnosis. And then we will do whatever based on the diagnosis, despite the fact that in many cases it is dead wrong. I think there was an article in yesterday's show. Did we get to it about uh, medical mistakes? Was it medical mistakes or misdiagnosis? It was misdiagnosis, I think, resulting in, what, 800,000 deaths every year? And so this doctor says, oh, my gosh, it could be the worst, worst, worst. Maybe. But the man said he couldn't go because he didn't have insurance. And so this family physician, I'm sure she meant well, had to convince him. She says, I explained the need for further evaluation, the risk of waiting. I told him the ER was legally bound to assess and stabilize him and that they could arrange a payment plan. Still, he hesitated, explaining that he couldn't pay the bill. So now you hear uh, uh, the leftist, collectivist, Marxist among us going, yeah, how cruel is that? It's going to bankrupt him. And so the response, inappropriate as I perceive it to be, is not, well, to socialize medicine and have a single-payer system so he doesn't go bankrupt. It's to open up the floodgates for freedom and healing and then watch the prices come down and the charity flood in again where government has crowded out charity or made it illegal to be charitable. Have you guys seen the documentary film, Utah Safe and Effective? Question mark. It goes into some of these considerations that are rarely ever discussed in, in polite circles or impolite circles. So following on to this young man, it's the opening story here for this, uh, this, this article. She says he couldn't afford it. I knew that hospital charges might exceed his annual payments for rent. He could face years of debt, even bankruptcy. And then she says this. This is telling. I don't recall his diagnosis, but I think he managed to improve without surgery. What? So then she says, still, I wonder, was I too quick to send him for emergency care? You think? Did I do more harm than good? Excuse me, this is what we're trying to tell you, and I've been trying to tell you for 24 years on this show. 
The vast majority of medical interventions are unnecessary and more dangerous than the condition that this kid had. Could have been a gas bubble. But you can't tell without a diagnostic tool, a technique, an invasive procedure, an ionizing radiation scan. Go to a homeopath. Go to a naturopath. Go to an herbal. I mean, there are so many other ways to address and assess just by the symptoms alone. And hey, could you take a dose of arsenicum album? A few minutes later, you're like, I feel great. How about Nux Vomica? No, 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 it has to be an appendicitis, a ruptured this. I'm not saying that it never is, but the way we treat everything as if it is that has resulted in an improper application of allopathic medical, uh, let's say curriculum resulting in, in doctors that are licensed, maybe even board certified, to do things that they are trained to do. And again, the moral hazard, the moral dilemma, or as this article says, the moral distress is that you might have gone into medicine for the right reasons, and now you are trapped in an immoral or amoral system that has little or nothing to do with actual monetary, uh, uh, let's say, exchange. Because it's only focused on, oh my gosh, without the single-payer system, you'll go bankrupt. Everybody that looks at America from socialized uh, systems says, oh, America, you're so cruel, you're so mean and so nasty, uh, you let people go bankrupt when they need medical care. But if we're actually giving or providing or allowing for actual real health care in America, it would be a fraction of the need in terms of those allopathic interventions. And so the costs that are associated with being the 15% of the GDP or higher every year would diminish greatly because the vast majority of those that would go to doctors would first go to outside of broken bones and things like that would go to a homeopath or an herbalist or a naturopath or something more vitalistic in its view that doesn't look at the body as a toxic pill receptacle for everything or an ionizing radiation receptacle for imaging for everything. So she raised an interesting point. Did I do more harm than good? And I think that should be the moral distress rather than the moral distress of, oh my gosh, people can't afford to come to me or can't afford to do what I tell them to do, even though what you're telling them to do could be more dangerous than what they're there with currently. So, you know, this is not me being not compassionate. I mean, some of you might go, you're so mean and nasty and cruel, Robert. You don't care about people. Like, okay, listen to the track record, watch this show once in a while and see what I do. And it isn't about what I do. It's what many people do. Often freely giving away information, much less care and help for those in need. And not looking for a reward. But I think about going into medicine. And I remember growing up, as I said many times, wanting to be a doctor when I grow up. I knew that that was my path, my journey. It was like in me from when I got here. But my uncle, the doctor, said, don't do it. You're going to be miserable. I didn't understand, Uncle Bob. What did, you, what did you mean? Why are you saying that? And again, at 19 years of age at Emory University, pre-medical program, 10 years of allergy shots, uh, 19 years of, 18, 19 years of all kinds of medical procedures, drugs, et cetera, surgery and everything for all of the ailments I had plenty. And most of them were caused by poor diet and the drugs used to treat the poor diet including allergies, the gut destruction by antibiotic, after antibiotic, after antibiotic, poor assimilation, poor elimination, all manifesting in increasingly devastating chronic diseases 
that were weakening me even in childhood, adolescence, and young adulthood. And that's when I realized my Uncle Bob was right. Now, whether he knew my spirit, like I think he did, but I think it was a spiritual intervention. Because what does your uncle, the medical doctor, tell your nephew that that you love and care about not to be a doctor? Because I would have been miserable in that situation. And now doctors are waking up and have for a while. It's a higher suicide rate than more, 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 more professions than not. Of course, the highest is, uh, has been dentistry because of the use of mercury on top of that, that. But it's not a place where you have great joy. And if you do find it, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy for you. But the reality is mm, you went into medicine to help people if you went in for the right reasons. You wanted to alleviate or relieve suffering. And what, and what happened along the way? You found out that you were trapped in a system that is not very helpful outside of surgical interventions for acute, you know, in, you know, putting soldiers back on the battlefield. That's the equivalency of modern medicine and what they do best. People have broken things. You help fix them in that way. And then you find out that people are coming to you for all kinds of things that are called chronic diseases for which you have little or no actual tools to help them other than alleviate symptoms or suppress symptoms, leading to 10, 15, 20, or 30 other diseases that you will then treat with other medications or send to other specialists who don't know the toe bones connected to the ankle bone somehow. (laughs) It gets there. Sitting back, stepping back, and seeing the entire system and what to do about it and how to navigate that world. And so you end up, question mark, going into medicine for what reason? Do you make more money as far as a profession goes every year annually than many other professions? True. One of the higher, not not everyone, but a lot do. Was that the motivation? Admit it. If it was, it's okay. But then don't complain that you're not liking the fact that you can't help your patients and they're going bankrupt. The system itself is corrupt from the word go because it exists in a monopoly that diminishes the individual freedom of the patient and the doctor to respond to the needs of each and to compensate the doctor accordingly in freedom rather than coercion, deception, or mandates, government mandates. Cover this, cover that, cover abortion, cover transgender surgery. And there's another thing about this moral dilemma coming from the NPR perspective of this doctor. What is upsetting to her? In Texas and other states, it says, recent legislation such as abortion bans and prohibition against gender-affirming care for trans youth have introduced new moral dilemmas for doctors. Whereas I perceive this is completely backwards because the moral dilemma should be, should we really be killing babies? Should we really be mutilating children? because they feel weird in the body that they've been born into. But that's not the case here with this doctor, which tells me she's a bit off. It's not a medical diagnosis, by the way, but maybe you'll take it that way. And then another concern, because doctors are leaving, nurses are leaving, but look, many of them, the good ones, in fact, like Kimberly Overton, and they're setting up new ways to go about it, the Nurse Freedom Network, Remnant Nursing. Doctors setting up contrary practices through private membership associations. Doing things that are more responsive to the needs 
of the patient, despite limitations on their license or some leaving and letting their license go and then doing some other kind of holistic support that's not doctoring officially because they own the word doctor. They own the word and the license and all of that that controls you. So one of the complaints is that her daughter's young and talented pediatrician just closed her practice after state leaders announced an investigation around transgender care. Now, if it were just the care for children who had been mutilated by Nazi doctors prior to this, I don't think that's what they're talking about. I think what they're talking about in Texas and other more conservative states, if you can use the term that way, are looking at the butchery, the surgery to alter, not a male to a female, but to remove the body parts that make you uniquely male. And then you could pretend you're a female. Or somehow, uh, like we had Scott Nugent on a, a couple of weeks ago, who got the surgery from female to male and is warning everybody this is not, and he's an adult, but even adults have some problems in this situation. A lot of suicides associated with the butchery that occurs here. And, and so it, if you think I'm not compassionate to doctors in their plight, I pray that I can communicate where I am compassionate to the doctors that are trapped in that system versus a doctor like this who's complaining because we don't have a single-payer system, because they're not allowed to, in some states now, just wantonly butcher children or eradicate children. This is where I have a, a, a dilemma in, in trying to communicate this, because I try to be a nice guy. But I don't have a lot of... I admit it. I don't have a lot of compassion for people who butcher children. For people who think that's health care. Or for people in the medical profession that defend the monopoly and say, you know what? You homeopaths, you naturopaths, you herbalists have no place here. You chiropractors are quacks, right? You hear that? And granted, it's not every doctor that believes that. So don't think I'm throwing everybody under the bus. There's an individual response to all of this. But to talk about a moral dilemma, do you protect life, doctor? Or do you abort and mutilate life? And that should be your moral dilemma or moral distress. It's like, oh my gosh, now I'm a doctor and they're telling me I have to fill in the blank. That would violate fundamental protections of the innocent, especially the, you know, the, the children among us, especially. Physicians are burning out. Yeah, because to do this is not soul-fulfilling. Even if you had that strong desire like I did to be a doctor. Now, I found homeopathy at 24, five years or so later. Prayers to God answered, but I had to go through a lot of deprogramming to be able to be open to the gifts God was trying to give me. The Spirit was trying to communicate, hey, look at this, look at this, open up, because you don't see it now, but you've got to get grounded in the spiritual principles. And, I, and that's why, you know, things like Jim Evans is doing with Trinity are so cool because bringing those people of faith into the healing realm and even, I think, remedying those that are in the healing realm that are restoring or regaining faith that was lost because it was largely gobbled up and, 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 and spit out in allopathic medicine to eliminate the spirit part of body and maybe mind. 
And so, yeah, there is a moral distress associated with looking at the body as just a body and ignoring the spirit, ignoring the soul, ignoring our spiritual essence. And that's such a big part of the dilemma for all of us in any field of endeavor or endeavor, but more overtly, I think, in medicine, where people come to you very vulnerable, hurting, suffering, want help, need help. And you don't want to turn them away, but I don't think I'm throwing this doctor that wrote this article totally under the bus. I'm just pointing out that the moral distress that she feels is displaced or perhaps misplaced or misunderstood. And maybe, maybe someone can reach her as well. We're here for you, docs, nurses. Come on in. The Robert Scott Bell Show, the water's warm. It's not contaminated with heavy metals. And I even have some organic quality (laughs) apricots in my backyard that I'm freeze-drying for you. God bless you. Love you. Appreciate you. And uh, Super D, I I know this was a a fascinating article or, or opinion piece from NPR that you found. And, you know, I can get emotional about these things. I can, because I feel my own history come to bear going a direction and halted and went a different direction. Thanks to the words of my uncle, ultimately, but how the spirit worked with me to go a different direction. And then I do have compassion for these doctors stuck in this situation, but mm-hmm. just think what she's calling moral distress is just kind of twisted. I don't know if I'm communicating that well at all, but that's what my sense is. Yeah. You know, I don't envy the job that they've got um, at all. Mm-hmm. My ex, my ex, my mother-in-law is a retired nurse. Mm-hmm. Saw a lot. Dealt with um, uh, delivering babies and and aftercare mm-hmm. and stuff like that and stuff. But you know, it's a tough job that they've got. Sure. Um, but think about the delivery of a baby and the moment that baby comes out of mommy. What do yeah. you do? You inject them with aluminum right, contain. Right. I mean, you, you see, that's the moral distress. It's like. What doctor is setting setting up in that situation going, this makes no sense. This is harmful. This is stupid. This is a, you know, where's that moral distress? Nothing about that is only about, in this case, oh, we can't do transgender stuff. (laughs) That's twisted to me. That's Yeah, you're right. So anyway, that's uh, thank you for pointing that out as well. And hopefully uh, there are docs and nurses out there take this message within the spirit. It's not to condemn her or any doctor. It's to hopefully bring them to a point where they'll see the error of their ways and the trap that they're in and that the solution isn't more government, more control and more mandates and prohibitions, but it's freedom. Yep. The very gift from God that I cherish so much besides life choice agency. And that needs to be brought back into healthcare, And then we might have health care again. Great opening monologue. We've 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 kind of strayed away from that sort of thing. So we're gonna. I think we need to do do more of that. That was. You threw me a softball on that one. I guess. Were, no, that was a that was a difficult one. It was because yeah. I, I feel the angst about the whole thing, and and I have genuine sensitivity to. I've got many friends in the medical profession. Of course, many of them that I call friends have really kind of come out of it in in a way that they have that spiritual essence, and they they do no harm, or they attempt to do no harm. Truly. And so I'm grateful for that. That's also why I'm grateful for Trinity School of Natural Health, because they're taking those doctors that are willing and able to do so, bringing in the body, the mind, and the spirit, the things they didn't learn in medical school, and the nurses as well, and anybody. So let's, uh, can we bring in Jim Evans? Is he here with us already? I am, yes. Hey, Jim, welcome back to the Robert Scott Bell Show. Good to see you, Robert. Good to see you as well. How, how's everything? You look like you're in a comfy chair today. Well, this is a chair I've been sitting in for a long time talking to people. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, any moral distress that you've experienced, because you heard, probably heard maybe a little bit of that opening, uh, and I, I think, listen, you yes. know, when we talk biblical health and things, it's like, I really feel the failing of modern medicine isn't so much that they're not good at what they can do and that they can help, they can, but it's that that moral essence, that spiritual essence that's mm. often lost in that profession to do things that are just completely harmful and not helpful. Well, Robert, I, for, uh, I may have mentioned to you at some point that for uh, a number of years, I was in the healthcare field as an in, in administration, mm-hmm. but but worked closely with doctors for 20 years on building buildings and starting offices and things. And uh, uh, medicine is like every other profession. Uh, every person has it, it originates with a worldview. Uh, that is how the world ought to be, mm-hmm. uh, how I fit into the world, and so the problem. With healthcare and and so many of our other, other institutions that in the past have been protective of in this case children or uh, or life in general is is that they have changed how they view the world and 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 the importance of mankind uh, or the idol worship if you will of of uh, different things and um, and the way I the way I describe it Robert is that the Things have changed so fast, so profoundly in such a short period of time, it's way beyond what any human can cause or fix. Uh, it's just too much. Uh, mm-hmm. our, our, our culture, uh, so much around the world has been turned on its head. Yeah. Way too fast for it to be human caused. Now, what is it? We could talk about that for a long time, uh, but you can't read the Bible and think things are going to go well in the future. They're not. It's not going to go well. It's not trending well. It's not going to until the Lord comes back to make it to make things uh, put things in order. Uh, well, that's an interesting then, dilemma yeah. too. When you read the Bible, you're like, "Wait, that future doesn't look so bright." But at the same time, no. you get beyond those physical <laughs> those physical things, and you say, "Okay, spiritually, it'll it'll all be correct as well." But um, that's, I guess, some of the dilemma of being on this planet, being in a, a human body trying to figure out the divine well, plan, the divine Jesus, order. Yes. Jesus himself said, in this world, you will have trouble. Uh, but he didn't put a period there. He went on to say, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So in the meantime, it's it, those of those of us who, who are walking in Christ and, and in the faith must be strong, must be courageous, must be informed, must be willing to go and tell uh, to protect ourselves, to protect our families. We can't control the world, but we can control our environment and our families and make sure they are a safe place. Hmm. Well, this is a, a you know, big part of what I think the, uh, the curricula at Trinity is to open those things and the discussions and to engage in something that uh, in the Western world where we are kind of very much went materialistic and reductionist and lost, I think, that that special element of life and where does life originate, you know, recognizing Mm -hmm. it's a spiritual energy that imbues us with life itself. And then from there, we begin to see all these other things that are fascinating and not wrong to delve into, to understand life and and creation itself, but to then disconnect from that true source. That's I think been the dilemma. That's where we've run into all these problems. You you probably know, Robert, that the Gen Xers, I'd say 30 or something and down, really are seeing that uh, the materialistic world is is bankrupt in so many ways and and are seeking uh, more 
knowledge and understanding and, and want to live in, in more spiritually. Wait, wait, which generation is, are you referring to? I want to make sure I understand what you're assessing generationally. I would say third, 35 and down. Okay. So we're looking at uh, millennials and post millennials, right? So oh, yes. we're Gen uh -huh. X, yeah. uh -huh. uh, super down our Gen X. And like, we grew up in a lot of material comfort. Sure. Right? Everything, every need was met. Even if you weren't wealthy, you pretty much had whatever you needed at any time. You didn't want for much. Uh, you might've looked at some of your neighbor kid friends that had all the greatest stuff first, but you know, it wasn't like we were suffering from, will mm -hmm. I make it through the day? Will I live through the day? And that right. was one of the things I've talked about this, Jim, when I went to Africa twice, West Africa in particular, and saw yeah. the people and met with the people there. I went on some, you know, uh, church type trips and, and, and that's where I saw the people living in what I call with absolute reliance on the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. Yes. Because they yes. didn't have the comfort we have to not, you know, have the convenience. Well, I don't really have to because it's fine. But from a spiritual perspective, that's a that's a bit of a goof, a mistake. You know, we can learn from it. True. But I thought, wow, these folks do not know when they wake up in the morning that they're going to live through the day. That's how mm. desperate yes. their lives yes. are compared yes. to ours. And so do we take for granted life because we had it so easy? And then, and then at that point, what point do you find God? Wait until you're in the uh, what? The foxhole, the proverbial foxhole where there are no atheists? Or do we find it in the midst of this materialism, which I think is a great uh, achievement, not from an ego perspective, but I'm thinking God's going, man, that's pretty good. You had all of this. You didn't need me or perceived that you need, and you came to me anyway. I think mm -hmm. that's really amazing. I think a good example of what you're talking about is after, uh, for uh, several weeks after 9-11, uh, people were in church, they were in prayer, they were, they were kinder to each other. It lasted about two weeks, uh, and, then, and then they went back to business as usual. Uh, and part of what I talk about quite a bit in the, in the program, uh, biblical, coach, biblical Coaching, is, is how, pe how people change. And change is very difficult, especially in, in large numbers, so even even a catastrophe like that, the the spirituality didn't stay because they weren't they weren't based uh, in in the God of the Bible and the risen Christ. They were it was based on emotion and sadness and fear, and that's that's not durable. So right, anyway. yeah, it's it's just fleeting at that point. So yeah, sure. The question is uh, the choices we make, and I think uh, very often we get stuck in, in programmed, believe that our choices are limited, but they're limited not by God. They're limited by man. Just like the example I gave of medical monopoly, right? Mm -hmm. you, you, you have all the choices you want within this box of, a, a, you know, pharmaceutical medicine. And I've talked about it. And we know from the history of the 20th century and communism, um, you know, East Germany, Russia, you could have any color car you want as long as it was black. Right. And, and so the That's limiting, Henry Ford philosophy, I think. <laughs> right. The, but the limiting of choices, again, by man, not by God. And I don't mean that necessarily in a materialistic way, but of course, we have been given the powers of co-creation when we're working with the spirit. Uh, and that's a good thing, not a bad thing. But very often uh, we have been told that choice is bad or freedom is, is the enemy or freedom is the cause of our problems. And I'm thinking biblically, is that really in the Bible? Freedom is the problem? Uh well, it depends on what you do with your freedom. Uh, Christ came to set us free, but not free from himself, uh, but free from the curse of sin and death. That's a big difference. And, uh, and, if, and if you have 
everything that you need as far as physical comforts, you have less need. As you said a minute ago, you have less need for a savior. What are less perceived need, need, right? And and, and yeah. again, perception so, becomes reality. And and, and I say this uh, again from your perspective, biblical coach program, things like that. When we talk about uh, Bible and healing, um, you know, I, I'm just trying to get assess that. I'm not a biblical scholar. I acknowledge that, uh, but I love listening to those who have done the dig research and talk about these things. But in terms of uh, you know addressing and assessing the needs that we have in a physical body, right? We talk about healing, ailing, things like that. Uh, is there a reference to the best system would be to set up a monopoly, one size fits all, right? I'm just looking for that kind of concept of collectivism because I don't think that is a biblical principle that you treat everybody the same way, other than love them, you know. But in terms of meeting the needs of the individual, we are created of God, by God, as individuals, not as a collective mush. Well, uh, God is the master of, of diversity. Uh, you want to talk about uh, uh, ideas and diversity. God is the master in, of diversity, uh, but, it, but he does treat everyone the same. He doesn't have any favorites. Uh, now, I would rather be his favorite. <laughs> But he, he doesn't have any favorites. We can feel like we ought to be his favorite by the, by the things that we do or the works that we do. Uh, but that puts me on the throne and my works on the throne. Uh, and and the, more, the more I'm willing to humble myself before him, the more I'm willing to uh, seek his will and his direction, the more, the more he lifts us up. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and, and I stop worrying about diversity and inclusion because I, because I've been set free. I, I'm not trapped by the, by the trappings of this world, which are getting more and more confusing mm -hmm. and more divisive. Uh, well, you said two words that are trigger words right now, diversity and inclusion, mm -hmm. because where we see them play out politically and economically is different than I would say the diversity of God's creation, because it is pretty diverse, is it not? Oh, my. Oh, my. Yet at the yes. same time, what is this man's concept of diversity and inclusion? I don't think it necessarily aligns with what we're talking about biblically, perhaps. Uh, I think you're right about that. And, and, and I'm, not, I'm not a politician or a political expert, but I, I have heard a number of people say that, that uh, they don't believe that uh, Dr. Uh, King would be pleased with the direction of of uh, the, the civil rights movement and, and, the, and the racial divide that's been created. I just don't believe he would. That was not his philosophy. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so anyway. Um, uh, I think the divide is, is based on our lack of, of spiritual insight and or spiritual identity. Because if we look at ourselves in our skin and we go, oh, that's who we are, and, 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 you know, I've, I've shared this on, on the air before having, as a child, I had a, a out of near death experience. It's like mm. gone back. And I recognize, boy, oh boy, this body is what I'm living in. It isn't me. And I think that a lot of the divide and division associated with how we look or what they call genetic differences is based on our lack of spiritual self-knowledge, the, the, the connection sure, to, sure. to creation, how we are yeah. all similar or of creation in that way, which makes us more uh, aligned with one another than divided. I think that's right, Robert. And uh, the the part of us that is physical, uh, you, I don't care how much you work out, I don't care how you eat, I don't care what you do, uh, it's it's not going to go well. <laughs> uh, 
but 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 you know, the, as I look in the mirror to shave, and and I feel the same as I did, you know, as a young man. I don't look the same, but that part of us that and uh, that that has that sense of being is is immortal. That's that's the spiritual aspect that you've been speaking of, and that's. Uh, uh, the Lord is very much into that and uh, not so much into the physicality. Now, listen, uh, he's given us incredible bodies. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, but the, but the spiritual part of us is the only part that's lasting. So our over identification with the physical shell we inhabit, I think it's a gift. It's a temple. We try to, I encourage folks to treat it like it's a temple because I, I was trashed in my young years, unbeknownst to me in ignorance, right? My parents didn't know. And we were eating whatever they said was food. It wasn't or (laughs) all the medications and drugs that devastated my young body that led me into chronic disease. It led me on the spiritual spiritual journey really Mm -hmm. was when I talk to God, please heal me. It was a plea for please intervene in my life in some way. And it was God going, I've always been here. You just need to shake loose of some of these ideas and programs so that that message can get through. And that was Mm -hmm. part of the, I talked about the process of a number of years of kind of journeying beyond my desire to be a doctor, my, my path Mm -hmm. this lifetime and going when it was dashed, when I realized that to be a doctor, the way my uncle was a doctor or these allopaths are, would be a misery for me. I would not be fulfilled. I would not be lit up, right? And and I always love to help people because it lights me up to do so. And that wouldn't be the case when I realized what they did to me if I did that to others. So it was a journey of not necessarily healing initially, physically, but about being grounded and being, weirdly enough, grounded, but being open to the spirit, the messages, practicing. Right? And I think that's maybe that's part of this biblical coach. You can relate to me and the audience for those who are going, I wonder if I want to take a course like that from Trinity. What would draw people into it? What would they learn? Let, uh, let me get into that in just a second. Something that you touched on. Uh, um, I've, I've begun to have uh, counseling clients. I, I'm, I, I do counsel as mm-hmm. well as coach that, that are detransitioning. Mm. Uh, that is moving back to their original birth uh, gender. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you, uh, there's more and more writings and more and more testimonials out on the news uh, these days of people who are detransitioning. And what they say is, uh, when in, in, in my youth, in my teen years, or even earlier, I was confused. I was angry. Uh, I was uh, uh, misled. And I was rushed into changes that have changed my physical body permanently. But, but I, I realize now that that wasn't the problem. I just needed to be listened to. I needed to be encouraged. I needed to be lifted up. I needed, I needed some time. Hmm. Uh, but, but, but I was fast-tracked, and the, and the problem is so many of the medical institutions are indeed fast-tracking these kids into these radical life, body-changing uh, procedures, and, and the, the philosophy of do no harm has been lost. It has been abandoned by so many of the of the much of the medical community and psychological community. Jim, I agree. Although 
it's just become more overt with the, the transgender stuff, the, the butchering bodies like this, because the first thing you give to a patient, if you're a medical doctor, is a prescription for a toxic poison. Now, granted, there are life-saving interventions that can be credited to a drug. I don't deny that. But by and large, when they apply it outside of those life and death scenarios, it basically is an inappropriate and it's a first do harm scenario without a benefit in the back end because you're decaying, degenerating, et cetera. And it's not life affirming at that point. And then, of course, now we have something so overt in medicine in terms of this butchery type surgery. Uh, and I say, even as I talk to Scott Nugent, who's an adult who's warning others about the trans transition because he had this happen or she, he had this happen. And it's an extraordinary uh, journey that now the communication is coming out about what you're saying as well. And others are going, Hey, this yes, is, yes. this is not a, this doesn't solve a problem. It creates oh, 10 no, or 15 no, or 20 no, no, others. No. no, it does not. No. At any rate, back to the uh, certified biblical coach program. Yes. Uh, we've been through uh, three cycles now with the program and and uh, learned a lot. Uh, really, the program is in its infancy. So I took a break over the summer and and and, and have revised it, uh, strengthened it. I am sure. And in essentially, Robert, the biblical coach program is very flexible now. Mm-hmm. It it is for folks who are uh, actively coaching uh, in the arena of whatever it is that they coach. Uh, health, uh, perhaps nutrition, life coaches, financial coaches, uh, even athletic coaches, uh, and, and and any of those would would. Uh, but but anybody who wants to continue those coaching arenas, mm-hmm. but begin to incorporate their Christian faith into their work and into their language, this is the program for them. Uh, the certified biblical coach program is not how to how to. transition or proselytize people into the Christian faith. It's how to present your coaching discipline and use all information and the education and the skills that you've used to become a good coach within whatever your discipline is, but begin to add and and increase the effectiveness of the program as a a person who coaches biblically for people Mm -hmm. who are interested in someone who coaches biblically. Now, this is an eight-week coursework, right? Eight-week pro two months. It is an eight-week course. Uh, yeah. There are there are uh, four sections in each in each one. There's the fundamentals of, of biblical coaching, and then the applications of biblical coaching. Uh, and uh, um, we start really with from the basics. If anybody who wants to say they want to learn to coach biblically, uh, it's important to to set some foundational understanding. So we're all starting from a, from a, uh, a level ground. Uh, we start with discussing the worldview and how people come to believe what they believe. Not everybody who, who takes the course necessarily is going to be a mature, active Christian. Mm-hmm. And so, and so there are a lot of belief systems out in the world. And, is that okay? Do you welcome folks from various backgrounds? To, to certainly. And, yeah. and, and with Trinity's reach, around the country and even around the world. Uh, uh, Lauren and, 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 and Julie and I have talked, there could well be people who are not mature Christians or knowledgeable in the faith that take the program. So we talk about worldviews uh, and then we talk, spend uh, a week talking and doing a deep dive on the Bible 
And uh, if we're going to coach biblically, we need to have an understanding on uh, its history, its influence, its authors, and its worldwide uh, distribution. It's an incredible book. It's the most widely uh, printed and distributed book that's ever been written uh, and continues to be. How, how uh, do you, Jim, how do you deal in, in the course of the eight weeks? Because this is one of the things I've often pointed out as well about people who profess a belief, biblical or otherwise, that if you drill down deep enough, you'll find distinct distinctions in beliefs about that very thing. Controversies, like someone will say, well, your interpretation, Jim, is wrong. Do you engage in discussion? I mean, obviously not in a... <laughs> an angry, violent way, but does that come <laughs> up? And, and how do you guys deal with uh, perspectives and perceptions and, you know, about these beliefs? Well, uh, th that's a great question. And so far we haven't had anybody challenge the, the authorship or the authenticity of the Bible. Anybody who does, anybody who really comes against the Bible uh, with, with, uh, with fervent uh, energy usually hasn't read the Bible. Uh, they, they haven't spent much time in the Bible. What they are against is the worldview or the philosophies of the Bible. That is, uh, uh, one God, uh, the Trinity, uh, uh, the, 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 the love that the Lord presents, but also the righteousness. Uh, well, it's just a book of rules and regulations. Hardly. It's a love letter, uh, from the Lord to us. And so, uh, uh, I stay away from thing, discussion on denominations and mm -hmm. denominational traditions. We're talking about the Bible as it is written. And it, it's not about what does the Bible mean to you. Uh, the question is, what does the Bible, what does it say? Gotcha. What, is, what does it say and what do the authors mean for it to say? Uh, and if you stay there, you'll be on safer ground. Well, I appreciate the clarification because I know people, honestly, they'll say, well, you're teaching it wrong. I, you hear this all of the time, even well-meaning sure, people. Sure. Loving people, they have like, I believe this so much that I want. So in the engaging, as you've described in this coursework, uh, thankfully, it hasn't been something filled with animosity, but filled with people wanting to learn, wanting to do better. That sounds like. We, well, we talk, too, about in, in the week. One of my favorite weeks is the week of the Bible is a book is what it's called. And in, in the, in the, uh, the accuracy of the moving through the centuries of what was originally written is what we're is what we're reading today, mm -hmm. and that's been verified uh, empirically uh, through the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls in 1948, and uh, many many ancient uh, parchments were found uh, that were written that were that were likely written uh, less than a hundred years before. I mean, after they were written, I mean, uh, going on two thousand years now, that that is, uh, are exactly as the Bible that we have now in accurate translations. Now, not the paraphrased Bibles like the message. And mm -hmm. I'm not opposed to those. Those are, those are interesting and kind of entertaining, mm -hmm. but, uh, but, uh, but an accurate, an accurate translation, we are reading what was written. And so in no other, no other ancient book even comes close to that. And so we can have great confidence in, in using the Bible as a valid uh, worldview and a valid philosophy of life. Now you may not agree with it, and if you don't agree with it, you probably won't be taking a class. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I look, I, I encourage folks to learn, you know, like you go into college, you learn about various world religions. I think you're made better by seeing oh, the, the, the world that we live on and what's yes. involved, what belief systems yes. are out there. I think the, the benefit of, of everyone, again, we talk about the diversity of God's creation. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, when we become, I believe, more loving and Christ-like, I think in that, in that sense, uh, you're going to inspire more people uh, through your 
I guess you you know your behavior than even sometimes your words. Something I, I want to mention, Robert, about the the changes in the program is we I've added a number of tools that that people who are already coaching that want to, as I said, incorporate uh, biblical principles into their work. They're going to be they're going to come away with a lot of tools on how to uh, how to communicate uh, to their mm-hmm. clients uh, on how to uh, prepare for the sessions, uh, how to uh, uh, if they, if you want to charge for your work, which is absolutely legitimate. Uh, I do, and uh, and we've been in, in in working now for 20 years, so it's I think it's going to work okay, uh, and give them some coaching in that direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how to, how to consider a fee schedule and talk about how to present yourself as one who coaches biblically. You are first a coach of whatever discipline you studied, but now we're, we're changing, uh, uh, the conversation, not forcing it, but we're not, and, but we're no longer hiding the fact that we go to church and that we believe in, in the God of the Bible. And that opens up all kinds of uh, vistas. Mm-hmm. Truth of the matter is, is that people oftentimes want to talk about their faith, but are afraid to in in a in an yeah. educational course. Right, right. And yeah. you don't have to be afraid of that in this one. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, Jim, I certainly appreciate all that you're doing, and I love the folks. It's like family to me at Trinity, and all the the course offerings, including the Biblical Health Coach, which is. Crank it up every four weeks. There's new coursework starting, so you can go to trinityschool.org. We have it linked up always at robertscottbell.com. Also, uh, the combination of the Trinity Live event and the Health Freedom Expo now happening. You know, middle of uh, October, we're looking at the 12th, 13th, 14th, and 15th. So if you're a Trinity graduate student or a holistic healthcare provider of some kind, or you're in the biblical coaching program, you can attend. Uh, and uh, you're usually there, right, at the Health Freedom Expo at least, yes, too? Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There it is. So the, that's the expo itself, uh, 14th, 15th. But Trinity Live is the 12th and 13th. They have a package deal that's awesome as well. And I hope to see you all there uh, in the midst of all these wonderful events that we have coming up between now and then. That's the big one for me every year. I call it the granddaddy of health freedom uh, and health freedom expo. So, uh, Jim, God bless you. Thank you for all you're doing and with the updates on the biblical uh, uh, coaching program. So good to see you, Robert. Always good to see you too, Jim. Thanks so much. Thank we got a, a bonus round, and uh, maybe I'll make a pun on this. Remember that statement, let there be light. Uh, apparently Biden says, no, 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 not certain kinds of light. We'll talk about that in the bonus round after this. Again, thanks to Jim Evans. Thanks to Jonathan E. Mort as well on the Robert Scott Bell Show today, Sacred Fire of Liberty Hour. RobertScottBell.com, of course. You can sign up for the uh, newsletter. It's free. And uh, give us a call. Let us know why you listen to or watch The Robert Scott Bell Show at 866-939-2355, where the power to heal is yours. All right, let me uh, get the uh, bench up here, the stool up here. And I'm going to sit for the bonus round. Michael Bolden's funny. You see him, he shows up at the last minute. So I wonder if I missed anything good. No. Yeah, no, no, it was all bad. We were well, waiting for Michael can, to show up. Now we can do something good. He can make up for it on Friday. That's right. Yeah, we're a lot of pressure on Michael Bolden for Friday show. <sighs> My goodness. Yeah, good show, good stuff. Uh, I think the uh, the hour two opening, as you said, was uh, more in line with, uh, you know, a, a kind of a, a, a dilemma, something that causes you to pause and go, what is really going on? What does this mean about the moral, what, distress doctors mm-hmm. are under? 
And the reason why this person, you know, we talked about on the NPR article was suffering from moral distress. And I'm like, wow, that's really twisted. And I, and I do have compassion for doctors in under moral distress, but it's just like, whoa, that was just like, not where you thought it was going to go. It was, it was missing maybe some perspective Mm -hmm. that you, uh, always try to provide deftly provided. Yeah. So this this story that we didn't have a chance to get to. Yeah, did you like the uh, uh, biblical reference of let there be light? Let there be light, yes. Except Biden says not that kind of light. <laughs> uh, no, he's not he's not happy about the uh, you know, cuz listen if if for those of you that have been with us for a while. Back in 2007, mm-hmm. Obama introduced a rule where he was going to try and outlaw incandescent light bulbs. Well, 07 was he in an 07 already? It was, well, this is where the the law first originated, from they my understanding. Because what we we had what that's Bush. where they started the process anyway. Yeah, so we had GWB like till '08, I think my memory serves. Okay, and then well, but Obama gets in, and then that like there's pre-written stuff. They come in and go, "You're going to push this agenda now. It's the environmental agenda." So we had, uh, we, we actually talked about it on the mm-hmm. show because I don't know about you, but I'm a big fan of light. Bright light bulbs. I like. I don't understand. I do. That's this is one of those rants which I'm doing. I'm going to spare people of. <laughs> and my kids hate. There are certain things that come up, and the kid, my kids, they just walk out of the room. Don't spare us. There's, you know, there's there's dim light bulbs. I just don't understand. Why would you buy a forty watt light bulb? <laughs> what 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 is the point of that? You can't see anything. You can't read anything. A forty watt light bulb is stupid. It just, whoever invented that is, is a moron, okay? <laughs> you know, you got to have at least a 75, preferably 100. That's me. All my light bulbs are 100-watt light what bulbs in this house. about 360s? 360s. Why? Because that will work. Still not as good as one 100-watt light bulb. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so uh, we, had, we had a guy on the show mm-hmm. uh, who had come up with a, uh, a workaround to the law that was being pushed at the time uh his name was larry birnbaum well you found him yeah and he he had a company Mm -hmm. he he was like i think he was like related somehow to like uh uh, edison really and he actually had like one of his original in you know light bulbs and stuff and Mm -hmm. he he was on the news he was on fox and cnn and all this stuff cool and so he he uh he had he found a loophole Mm -hmm. and it was i think the term was it was like rough rough use Light right. bulbs, yeah, like and he had a company. Grade. Yeah, he had a company called New Candescent. That was it. Yeah, I do remember. We and it was in bunch. New Jersey. Yeah. So I went to go check out his website. I'm like, hey, let's, you know, let's see, because now it's a thing again, right? Mm-hmm. As of Tuesday, apparently, yeah, two days ago, the law has gone through now where it's now illegal for companies to manufacture uh, incandescent light bulbs. So I was like, yeah, I wonder what he's doing. So I went over to his website. Mm-hmm. It's no longer new candescent. It's now the light bulb store, and they specialize in all LED light bulb needs. Ah, uh, I know. Jeez, <laughs> like, dang but, it! So, is there a loophole that still allows for? Well, here's grade? here here's the deal, and I found this because you had requested this. Let yes, me put this up you. on up on the screen for people to see if I can mm-hmm. work my computer correctly. <laughs> oh, let me get rid of the graphic. Okay, what and we is will not now banned? see this is what is not banned with this new law. Not all incandescent bulbs are banned. Okay. Uh, let's see. What is banned? Say appliance lamps, including fridge and oven lights. These are what? not banned. 
black lights. Remember Spencer Gifts? Black oh, yeah, lights, totally. Big yeah, yeah. Bug lamps, colored lamps, infrared lamps, left-handed thread lamps. Not sure so what that is. If we get something that screws in backwards, we can still get I, the... Maybe. Plant I lights, floodlights, reflector lamps, showcase lamps, traffic signals, and some other specialty lights, including marine lamps and some odd-sized bulbs. So those are the exceptions, but uh, other than those exceptions now, the manufacture of incandescent light bulbs is now banned. I don't mean to set the bar low, but, dude, anybody would be better than a Democrat at this point that bans light bulbs. I know that's a low bar. I just, I'm just I mean, like at the moment going, really? It was what, a few months ago? It was gas stoves. Yeah. Now, now. Did you see uh, there's a a, a a Democrat lawmaker, I think in Congress from, or maybe it's from Oregon, so it might be one of yours. Not probably not in your vicinity, but. I don't take ownership. Yeah. Uh, that has a proposed um, a bill that would require, as if they can, would require President Biden to declare a climate emergency and and do lockdowns and shutdowns like it was COVID, but it's a climate emergency. Mm. There's actually Democrats, and there's like if if this is not a, a a fake story, like sixty different Democrat congressmen are proposing really? this. Really, yeah. I hadn't heard that. Uh, I, again, I'm not jumping on it to know it's definitive, but they were specific in naming names and putting all the people on the list that proposed this that would require. Biden to declare a climate emergency. And it's like, dude, I try to be nice to Democrats, but come on, man. These people are brain dead. They are brain dead Marxists. They don't even know they're Marxist and what they're trying to do. You know, they want to kill people. They they hate people at this point. It's all I can conclude. Mm. Uh, just disgusting what's yep. going on there. But yeah, eliminate incandescence. And of course, the LEDs are kind of cool. They use less electricity. You can make all different kind of colors out of them. But the flickering rate is very disruptive, and you don't see it, you don't detect it, but it's not conducive to good health. That's that's what I've I've read. Now, I mean, there's, there's conflicting science on that um, as to whether it really is an issue or not. Of course, there always is. Uh, you know, one one scientist will say yes, it's a problem. The other one will say no, nah, there's no evidence that it is a problem. So, and this is what I found this morning as I was digging into some research. Um. There are people that they, they they at least anecdotally say that uh, it causes problems for them, gives them headaches, and, yeah, and makes them feel ill. So, so Democrats that promote promote this want you to have headaches. Republicans yeah. who sign on want pro headache, headache, yeah, yeah, agenda, right. So I don't know about you, but mm -hmm. um, I, you know, it makes me wonder since you do have those exceptions, mm -hmm. what could somebody do with that? I mean, appliance lamps. I, you know, could you like um, use an appliance lamp for lighting in your house? They're usually not very bright. No, they're really small. Yeah. But I guess you could maybe somebody could manufacture extra large appliance lights for that 100 <laughs> watt for Superdome. There's always a way. Colored but, lamps. That sounds racist. Colored lamps. I, what about get Emord in the Senate? Maybe he can do something. I, I realize that we're dealing with. Again, in a large centralized bureaucracy exceeding its constitutional authority by a lot, but that's not unusual. That's not that's kind of unfortunately the norm now. Uh, but how do we nullify that at the state level? Maybe Michael Bolden can uh, give us a state level light bulb nullification uh, context uh, so we can still access it. But who's going to manufacture them when the feds say you can't? You know, is there a big enough market on one state level? I... And then they go in. 
I think the loophole here, and, and I wish we need to find who, whoever the next Larry uh, Burnbaum is, because mm. apparently he's he's just he's given up. Yeah, it would appear anyway. Yeah, uh, the left-handed thread lamp that I'm intrigued about, because apparently I guess and I'm, I I just looked it up. What is a left-handed thread lamp? And uh, light bulbs with left-handed threads were originally made to use in public places such as trains and subways. So, uh, is there a law? Right. I mean, could we not like create lamps that are left-handed threads now instead Absolutely. of right-handed threads, and then say, "All right, there you here, go. here's the here's the thing. Can you do this real quick? See if there's left-handed thre- thread bulbs. Show me what kind of bulbs are available that would screw into a left-handed thread bulb, and then we can start saying, "Hey, maybe somebody will come out with home appliances that are left-handed threads, so we can all buy those light bulbs." How about that? Does, like, what are the bulbs available that do the left-handed threads? I've never looked into it. It's never been an issue. And now we've got to figure out a creative way around the stupid ban on incandescence. Um, let's say so a, le- a left-handed light bulb. Rather than Democrat dim bulbs in this case. Okay. Uh, I'm looking here. Let's see here. Left-handed. Let's see. I can put this on the screen. Yes. Um, it it kind of just, it looks like... Uh, it looks like a light bulb. doesn't look like it's special or anything. There you go. So maybe we have access to that. we just got to change the threads now. Somebody's got to go into a market. Of course, they'll try and close that loophole, you know, if they get, if the Democrats are still in charge. Go full screen on that. Let's see. Hold on. What kind of wattage do you have there? Hey, it looked like regular light bulbs. You're right. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, let's see, that's 120, that's 100 watt right there. There you go. Two pack. For I mean, I'm assuming that's left-handed. It came up in the, in the, uh, the results here left-handed 100 watt there yeah yeah that's 100 watt okay all right so the next task for any of you our our listeners is to find out can you get left-handed receptacles you know to replace something in a lamp or other or yeah or yeah maybe like an adapter right create an adapter Adapter. that would go into a a right-hand thread um see free market capitalism innovation it's happening right on the robert (laughs) scott bell show live we want our light bulbs yeah, maybe that's the nullification plan. I've solved it before Michael Bolden showed up tomorrow. Is, is Michael coming on tomorrow or is it next week? Uh, gosh, man, today is Thursday, isn't it? It is I guess Thursday, it would. Yeah. I think, well, let me look. Is it this week or next week? <clears throat> no, it's tomorrow. I think Michael's on tomorrow. I think you're right. Yeah. I'm looking now at the calendar, and it says tomorrow. Yay. Next oh, oh yeah, well, that's right, because we were going to do the, the the apricot thing tomorrow. Oh, yes. And, 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 hey, Michael Bolden, did you call in and say why you listen to or watch the Robert Scott Bell Show? You could be eligible to win some RSB show apricots, dried apricots from my backyard tree. How about that? So before we put a period at the end of the sentence on the light bulb thing, I, uh, yeah. I asked uh, uh, AI mm-hmm. to please uh, show me a picture of Joe Biden holding an incandescent light bulb. <laughs> and check out, check out what artificial intelligence came up with. <laughs> for real look, does he look happy angry or what uh i you know what there's like smoke coming from the light bulb i think it's burning his hand is what it kind of he's <laughs> <laughs> and i didn't ask it to do that i just this is just what it came up with i i kind of like the picture that's wild so that's not copyright image or anything no that's that's generated by ai that's just wild isn't that great that's unreal <laughs> gosh darn it <clears throat> Can you have one like coming out his ear? 
I guess I, you could. I, I can attempt. Uh, All right. I'll get back to you on that. Oh, my gosh. That is wild. All right. What's going on? Any comments, questions today coming through the chat room? Uh, let's see here. You could, uh, Steve says you could also deem your light, your lamp, lamp light, light bulb, bulb is, is for, for plants. plants. The, but here's the thing. Well, I've seen some grow lights. They are pretty mm-hmm. bright. I mean, they, they, they're supposed to somewhat, uh, replicate sunlight, sunlight. Yeah. There'd be more full um, spectrum. So that might be an option. They do put probably... off, they do put off heat. Yeah. So I, I don't know if I'd want a bunch of, uh, grow lights lighting up my house in the summer that would kind of suck but i suppose now, that's true what about those uh companies that still have the incandescents in stock can we still buy what's left? yes yes that was one of the things where it said you can use them you know the ones that are already manufactured mm-hmm. uh but they can't be they can't manufacture any new ones yeah i don't know if trump's gonna win or somebody else gonna win but i'd say reverse that well listen so here's the story because what happened was when trump got elected he rolled that that law backwards mm-hmm. um and biden of course yeah rescinded put it back that. in place yeah doofus yep so anyway right. odd things on rumble today pretty quiet 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 on rumble okay <sighs> all right so let's see what else we got um i don't think i skipped over anything today i think we did well on stories um we have Friday. There's a retired senator uh, coming on tomorrow. Looking at the chat, uh, I mean, our, our uh, what's this? Senator Mike Morrell. Yes, Morrell. Morrell. Talking about political climate, expansion of the bureaucratic state, challenges we face as a nation, importance of fathers, constitutional principles, and the Declaration of Independence. Well, I like the, he's got good subjects we're going to cover tomorrow. Faith, morality, Old and New Testament promises, warnings, road to restoring the family book. Oh, there you go. That should be a good hour. And then yeah. Nice follow-up to today's show. Yeah. With Jonathan E. Morton. So and the plan is an hour or two tomorrow, we will uh we'll do our giveaway for the uh the bags of Yeah. RS Bell uh apricots. Apricots. I was you know, just going through uh I got four more trays ready to go in and when this next tray load is finished in the uh freeze dryer. So um, I'm, I love that they're not going to go to waste that. I mean, I love because if it wasn't for Scott Scherner and his wife, Deb and their daughter, Sierra, I would have lost hundreds and hundreds, you know, they came and collected it and they're making they They have a, a, not a freeze dryer, but a different a food dehydrator. So they're dehydrating a bunch. And I think that there's like mushy ones they are going to make into preserves or jams, apricot jams. So there's so many things you can do with it. Just loving it. So, uh, it's been an apricot kind of summer so far partway through and i'm so glad that i don't have kids in school anymore sorry for everybody that still does but <laughs> i'm just this is the first year since we've had kids that this is not happening so i feel like wow i'm, a, I'm all grown up now well we just got a, uh, another phone call in for the contest we did about 12 minutes ago yeah. all right so people like apricots so i i i'll have to count them but i have a feeling we're gonna have maybe somewhere in the neighborhood of, of like 20 or so dude that's a lot of time yeah. to fill are they brief or are they all two minutes they're two minutes or less yeah because there's a two minute limit that's gonna fill up an hour <laughs> but uh yeah well we'll figure it out if we have you to go into bonus to we will. tonight um yeah nothing new there all right well for those that won at our zoom ama 
I've, I haven't sent them out yet. I've just been just trying to stay up with everything with my wife and daughter not here. Uh, so uh, I'll get to them. They may ship out tomorrow, but more likely it's possible Saturday, but I think more likely Monday. But if I get them out this weekend, that'd be great. Uh, those of you who won them on the Zoom AMA, I'll send them out to you. And then gifts to Super Don and some others. Uh, like I said, I'm awaiting Michael Bolden's phone call. Maybe I send some to him. I'm not sure yet. <laughs> he he likes he likes he's a, he's a foodie. He is a foodie. I think he, he would these. appreciate those. Yeah, and they're non dairy. Non dairy <laughs> apricots, really? Yeah. Are, are they gluten free too? They're gluten free. Gluten free. All yeah, right. Gluten free and non dairy. Nice, nice. Those are rare. I see if I can get a rabbi to pray on them, and they'll be kosher. <laughs> Arg. Uh huh. So I, I my right. plan is to go on a mountain bike ride with Dr. Ray Andrew uh, later today. I've got to stay up late, so I'm just going to keep doing stuff, and then okay. and we'll pick up uh, everybody, bring them back home. All right, you'll be in a much better mood tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Trump pleads not guilty, stares down Jack Smith. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, what'd you expect? You think he was going to plead guilty? Yeah, I know, but it, yeah. it's so. Again, we talked a little bit about it with Emor, and they said this isn't about whether you love or hate Trump or are indifferent about it. It's like, really, this is a banana republic now. You're starting to say you can't believe what you believe. I mean, this is attacks on free speech have never been so overt. Uh, and uh, largely coming from the political left, this is not an endorsement of everybody on the so-called political right, but we just got to acknowledge how wacky it's become. Uh, you know, much like the doctors that we talk about that have a moral distress because they're not allowed to butcher children. That's just bizarre. That's just a weird one. So, got that coming up. All right, what else? Anybody else? If you got questions or comments, now is the time before we pause. And um, I don't think I'm going to get back to apricots, but I do got to get and This is bad, poor English. I got to get back out in the garden. Um, I've got green beans that are probably growing too big, and then I'm going to have to go to seed if I don't get out there today. We've had rain for two days in a row in the desert, which is weird, um, but it's, it's all right. And then... Um, my, I, oh, the pictures. I sent you the pictures of the blackberries that are ripening. Do you have those real quick to show? I want to show everybody. We Hold planted the, we planted these uh, a couple of years ago, and we got some blackberries last year. But this year, it's like bonkers. I mean, really, really abundant. And uh, I think I dropped them into Skype for you. Yeah, there they are. So that you can see the blackberries, are, the blacks ones are already ripened. The reds are, are on their way, and there's some that are kind of transitioning in. Talk about transitioning, but this is a good kind of transition <laughs> <laughs> for, from red to black uh, yes. of the blackberries. Cool. So that that was definitely cool. Oh, you know what else I did? Um, mm. My buddy Paul Bertero, his birthday yesterday. Happy birthday, Paul. And his wife called me and said, hey, we're going to see the Mission Impossible movie. Uh, oh, did you go see it? It's 6.20 yesterday, and it's like 6 o'clock, and I get this message. You want to go? I'm like, where, where are you guys sitting? Uh, row B, and I look up on, on the, the little app thing. It said, oh, there's B, is B7. Is that available? Oh, yeah, that's right next to Paul. Perfect. Don't tell him. And I just showed up, and I got to see it. Uh, it is, and? It is an adrenaline-pumping thrill okay. ride. I it knew it would be. Highly entertaining, and, and, and my friend Isai Morales is awesome. He's, he's great as the villain, and uh, he did a good job. And, yeah, it's part one. You're ready for part two already. But, yeah, Tom Cruise, whatever you say about the guy, the guy knows how to make movies that are just fun. And, you know, the kind of reason why a lot of people went to movies and go to movies, not just 
you know, there, there's movies that have messages and meanings and other, but some, you know, just escapist entertainment. Right. And they did that. He did that as well. That those are the kind of movies I like. Really, I mean, and yet, look, I like I like a good movie with a solid, you know, intriguing story and mm-hmm. yada yada. But I love the disposable movies too because it's just sometimes you just need that. Yeah, absolutely. So it was fun. I I, I had a good time with that, and I haven't been out to many movies. It was just like, well, it's his birthday. Yeah, yeah, I got to make it there, and I made it there within preview, so it was no problem, and got to see it. So that was fun. Let's see what else we got. Uh, DJ Katie's out there. I just bought a 15 watt. We like low lighting. So DJ Katie doesn't agree with you and your bright light. A 15 watt? Yeah. She says, along with candles and oil lamps and the fireplace what? in the winter. No, no. Are, are you blind? No, no. Do you not, not need light? What? No, it's the opposite. Someone who oh. has good vision. Oh, like, pff, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> no, okay, whatever. sure. What? Whatever. Okay. Okay. <laughs> DJ Katie, point of contention. I guess, yeah. Let's make it a challenge. Let's make it a challenge to see so I can work on my eyesight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. Overachiever. Yes, exactly. Any, anyway, well, whatever. I can, I, 15, I but listen, dude, 15 watt. I mean, are yeah. we talking about like a genuine 15 watt? Uh, like. The number of lumens yeah. that relate to 15 watts, like as in the old incandescent light bulbs. I will. You could do a game show like. What I, is I, the point of a 15 watt light bulb? I mean, it's really? A challenge. It's a challenge. Here, that's eyes. nothing. I, You'd be walking into d- d- door jams and stuff. I mean, it's like no 15 watts, dude. That's like night, a candle. A 15 watt would be like 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 a candle. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's the old way of being. Are, able, is this like Little House on the Prairie or something? <laughs> What, what, what do you need that kind of light for? You just don't like to see things? Are there like ugly people in your house or something? Or what? It's like, That's so mean. I'm just, <laughs> just being mean. I just don't understand. DJ it. Katie, ignore him. He doesn't know of what he's 15 speaks. watts. <laughs> Maybe snort. Why don't you just put on a blindfold and walk around the house? You know? <laughs> no, you don't look at night, even a night light at whatever wattage that is. Cast a, a big light that disrupts my sleep. That's why I have to put on a sleep mask because it's, you know, I'm sensitive to that light. I want to sleep in the dark. 15 watts. You know, the, the, the best thing to do with a 15-watt light bulb, throw it out the window. Throw it away. There's no point in having it. <laughs> well, eventually, Biden will ban one of those, too. <sighs> anyway. All right. See, right, you gave Holden. me something new to rant about. That's good. Yeah, that's good. What, did we uh, did we do something? There's new actually Holden? fifty. I didn't even know there was a fifteen watt light bulb. Yeah. Where do you buy that? At the little people store. For dollhouses. <clears throat> anyway. Okay. Sorry, <laughs> I didn't mean to be rude. But <laughs> that was great. I love it when you're rude. What is this incandescent pink? What? You see? Do you see this comment here from Twitch? No. The name of the of the you don't. No. Let me see if I. Oh, let me look if I can find the chat. There's the chat. Okay. Make some incandescent eyeglasses with left-handed threads. No, on. no, 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 no. There's one there. You see, it's purple and it's from Twitch. Okay. It's the second to the last one. It's oh, in hi! There. I want to offer a promotion of your channel. Viewers, followers, views, chatbots. Yeah, yeah. That's just spam. But look at the name oh. of the person. 
Oh, uh, incandescent pink. What? How does that even happen? Well, I think we're, we're, we're sitting here talking about incandescent, incandescent light bulbs. Light bulb. Yeah. Is and that like I, some kind of weird bot kind of a thing? That, it's like, got to be an automated advertisement bot. Yeah. That's really strange. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Hmm. All right. Anyway, I think we've rambled long enough here. Okay. Thanks for <laughs> letting us ramble, y'all. Yep. Anything else? No, we're good. We'll be back tomorrow. Yeah. DJ Katie says, yes, Don, my husband calls me a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> I am Batman. All right. Yes. It is an appliance bulb. Yeah. Yeah. 15 it is. watts. Mm-hmm. All right. Gonna... Bright, brighten it up tomorrow for us, Super D. We got one more day before the weekend hits. I don't know what we're doing yet for a Sunday conversation. Uh, just always thinking about that. They've been good. I've been enjoying them. I hope everybody likes the Sunday conversations. Yeah. And uh, we'll keep it going. And call us up. I can't wait to hear some of these... Uh, messages that we're yeah getting. looking forward looking forward to that i'll be working on that tonight i hope there's some funny ones uh yeah i mean the funny one probably has a pretty good chance of uh being the grand prize winner right yeah because we we are gonna this is how we're doing it we're picking one that we both super don and i say man that's the that's the most creative one uh and then two others we're gonna of course do i think randomly. if it's gonna be the grand prize it should yeah. be either a bigger bag i could do of that. apricots or we should throw something in with the bag of apricots. Yeah, that's fine. What do you right? want? I can do that. I mean, that sounds reasonable. I mean, otherwise I can do that. You don't, you don't give the grand prize winner the same prize as the the other ones. I, I wish I had the uh, folium to give away because that stuff's so valuable. Dude, folium PX is ama- freaking amazing what that stuff's doing. I I don't know if y'all know about it yet. If you're new to the show, you guys got to check out folium PX because that's the stuff that got my mom back on the dance floor. In addition to our cardio miracle. And if you if you hit a ceiling and you're healing, look at foliumpx.com and look at the folium products, folium original and then folium immuno and folium relax and uh, three-pronged approach right now, but it's quite extraordinary. Chernobyl level antioxidant activity. You got heavy metals, you want them gone? Think about that. And more. So that's cool. Also, uh, the super creatine is dude, I am like loving this stuff, super D. All of that time I was, like, struggling to put on the weight, the muscle weight that I wanted. Mm-hmm. Just added that in. And, I, you know, my workout routine, it's like I'm, you know, weighing on the scale. It's like, yep, the muscle weight keeps going up. Not like not like uh, Ty Bollinger. I got to ask him what he's doing. Is he doing creatine, you think? Because, dude, he is ripped. I don't know if he, I mean, that'd be a good question for him. I know he's I'm not sure, on the juice, so. I'm sure he him. knew about it back yeah. in the day, so. Yeah. Wouldn't surprise me if it was something. Well, next time he, he comes on, I want to ask him about that. No. Okay. <clears throat> but uh, anyway, RSB 15, it's uh, on sale as well. So you get double dip RSB 15 at nutritionalfrontiers.com and also cbdnf.com. So any other questions or comments before we chat away? Before at least we DJ chat Katie. Away? Chat away, yeah. Okay. Uh, away with your chat. All DJ right. Katie laughed at. She's LOLing, so you didn't upset her. That's okay. Good. All right. She, she can take a good joke. Steve says Biden will probably try to ban Windows, claiming that they contribute to climate change. Oh. Yeah. All right. So on that note, uh, before we leave, I will leave you with the last AI creation of Joe Biden. Okay. As an incandescent light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> That's... 
crazy. You Isn't just, that great? You just put that request in and it instantly I, did I that. did. So there you go, Joe. This, this is for you. In fact, I think I'm going to use this for something. I well, got let's to make s- a meme out of that. It's too good. It's that's, too good. That's great. Yeah, All put right. that up on social media, my brother. We'll figure it out. All, All right, guys, there. have a good afternoon, and we will see you tomorrow. Thanks.